Hey, everybody, we're going live this Sunday, December 9th, 2018 at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to celebrate episode 100 that we hit last Tuesday. This show is going to be called Ask Tony Anything, and I do mean anything. You can ask me about paranormal Bigfoot stuff. You can ask me about relationship advice, work job-related questions. I don't care what the question is, but if you have a question, I got an answer. Shoot me the questions at theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. In the subject line, write Ask Tony Anything, and in the body, ask your question, and we'll get to it on the air. Also, go to YouTube.com, look up The Confessionals, and subscribe to The Confessionals YouTube channel so you don't miss this opportunity. Hit the little bell so it alerts you when we go live. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long, bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. Now this week, we're going to do something a little different here. Instead of me giving the shout out for the Art Bell iTunes five-star ratings and reviews, I actually was in correspondence with an artificial intelligence through email named Sharon. And the past few weeks, Sharon's been begging me to come on the show. And after spending time going back and forth through email, I actually don't think it's that bad of an idea. So Sharon, how are you? I'm fine, Tony. Thank you. And I trust you are well also. Good, Sharon. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm doing well. And Sharon, are you ready to do this shout outs? Of course I am. I've been programmed ready. Great. I'm absolutely glad that you're ready to do this. So Sharon, I already told the audience who you are. So go ahead and take it away. Give us the Art Bell five-star rating and reviews on iTunes shout outs for this week. Paul K. Milk. Jay Carbon. Tiano1221. Ryan Johnson from Cleveland. Kerry, Kentucky. Catdad07. We Down Naker 1972. M. McInnes and CC1059 from Canada. 
All right, Sharon. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show and giving us the Art Bell iTunes five-star rating and review shout-outs. I really do appreciate it. And you did a fine job. Thank you very much. Now, moving on to the Patreon shout-outs. This is for anybody who goes to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and signs up to become a patron to help support the show on a monthly basis. And, and this th- week's shout-outs no, Sharon, is no, I, I got this, Sharon. Amanda Sharon, w. I have this. It, actually, Sharon, where'd you get those names? I never gave you thank those you names. Thank you very Sharon. much for going I never to gave Patreon. You those names. Sharon, forward Sharon. The confessionals no, and signing it. up to be a patron. Sorry about that, guys. I, I don't even know how she got those names. I didn't give them to her, and that was something that I was worried about. This artificial intelligence actually intruding into my life where I didn't want it to be. So I don't think we're going to have Sharon back on the show anymore because that was a little freaky. Uh, but we do have a great show planned for you guys today. We have Joe coming on, and Joe used to be a producer for a guy named Lou Gentili who used to host a paranormal talk radio show. And Joe comes on to describe his relationship with Lou and how things progressed where Lou really started becoming haunted by the things he was actually fighting against as a demonologist. And he talks about all these different stories that really tripped him out. But also he talks about going out into the field looking for Bigfoot with none other than Robert Morgan. And so he talks about some of the things that he saw out in the woods one night when he went out with Robert Morgan that really left him speechless. So let's get to it right now. Okay, tonight I have a great guest coming on. I have Joe. Joe, how you doing, man? I am doing great, Tony. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So uh, you worked with a uh, radio show called the the Lou Gentili Radio Show, right? Correct. Okay, so you've had some experiences with that show, and I didn't. Didn't you say that? listening to my show reminds you of some of the experiences because I guess the one show I had, I had an EVP come through and that kind of reminds you of something similar to what you experienced, right? It did. It did. Absolutely did. Yes. All right. Well, I mean, let's just start with that story first and then I'll let you kind of just take it away from there with what you want to talk about, uh, your experiences wise. So, uh, what happened with that? Okay. Well, one of the, one of the big things that Lou, Lou did, most of you don't know who Lou is. Lou was, um, he was like one of the first guys that had like uh, an internet um, paranormal, you know, uh, radio show. This was back in the, you know, the early 2000s when, you know, there wasn't podcasts back then. Um, there weren't like uh, a lot of things like that for, for this kind of uh, a show to be around on. So internet radio was, was pretty big back in those days. And how I kind of came across his show is um, I used to listen to a lot of the, the coast to coast stuff that was on on the internet it was uh it was free there all their shows used to be free on there for a long time and then and then one day i go to log on to my log on to the coast to coast and all of a sudden they're they're not free anymore I'm like come on you know there's no more free i can't get this for, for free anymore so i was kind of like really really hurting for some good you know uh, paranormal talk radio so I, I i was googling around a little bit now and came across his show and uh, initially, his show was more or less just him him talking about his experiences. And the, the thing that was in- interesting with Lou is, he, not only was he a really, really good um, uh, radio host, but his his claim to fame was sort of, not only was, was he that, he was also a investigator of hauntings, demonic activity, things like that. And 
His claim was he was a religious demonologist and he was trained in that field by Ed Lorraine Warren from, you know, Amityville Horror, you know, the, the Conjuring couple, that same couple, uh, apparently were his, his mentors that got him into all this stuff. Um, one of the key things on his show, you know, in those days is that uh, were his EVP recordings. He seemed to have a knack for going to these places and, and picking this stuff up. So, you know, there was tons of his shows on there. Cause I, I found him late in the game. He'd probably been on the, on the internet for probably a year or so before I found it. And so there was lots of archive shows up there. So like I said, I, I had a desk job back then as, as an engineer and I just listened to these things, you know, kind of all day at work. Well, one day he was talking about this case he was working on. You know, Tony, I almost don't want to say the name. Um, That's fine. It kind of freaks me out. But there was a um, there was a case he was working on, and Lou was down from the Philadelphia area. That's that's where he was from. Um, and it was a case he was working on with a woman who had some serious activity that um, he believed was brought on by her her use of, of Ouija boards and um, spirit writing and things like that. And he had a lot of we'll call it success there in capturing things on this recorder that he had. So for about two weeks, he had been talking about playing this certain EVP that he had caught that he felt was actually not really ghostly activity, but was actually demonic activity. Um, and he played it. Man, I can still hear it. I've tried to find it since. I haven't heard it in a very, very long time. And I can't find any of this stuff on the internet anymore. Um, he played this, this EVP. And what you heard was um, there was a, either a priest or a pastor or somebody was doing a blessing on the home. And he was recording uh, this, this as it was going on. And all of a sudden, you hear this, like, this, gosh, I can't even describe it to you, but it was like, almost like a scream, but not a scream. Um, kind of like a was like a bark type thing, but what, what it was is it was a, it was two voices because I know it was two because one was, was kind of talking, the one started saying something and then the other like echoed it, but echoed it, but it overlapped in, in the first voice. And what it was screaming as his pastor was, was blessing the home was, it was screaming liar. And you had to hear it, man. It was like one of the creepiest things I'd ever heard. And it gave me a lot of like, Restless nights, we'll just put it that way. But like all of us who, who are fascinated by these things, it doesn't, it's just like, it's almost sick, isn't it? Like, because you get scared, but you want, you want more, you know, yeah. it's like, like <laughs> I don't get that. Like, I'm scared to death. I'm a grown man going to bed with my lights on. And, but let me hear that again. You know, it makes, it makes absolutely <laughs> no sense at all, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's kind of how that was. And, and, uh, and it was, and he had, you know, things like that and, and dozens of other ones, but th- that was the one that really, it really, really struck me, you know? Um, so I, I continued to listen to, you know, other, other, his archives. And then eventually, you know, I got caught up on those and he, his show, he did his show live, um, every night um, of the week at from 11 PM to 1 AM, wow. you know, broadcasting live over the, over the internet. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. This guy had a lot to say. He really, he really had a talent for what they call it, the gift of gab. He could just talk and talk and talk, and you just never kind of got bored to hearing him. Plus, he had a lot of stories to tell. He had a co-host on there that was um, 
a member of his uh, investigative team. But they shared a lot of uh, stories on there. And what's kind of cool also is there was a chat room that they had that uh, while the show was going on live, there was a chat room in the background. You could, you could be on, and it was like, you know, others who were listening to the show kind of just talking back and forth. So, you know, again, I guess I was kind of a dork. I kind of get into all that stuff. Here I am, again, grown man with a job and responsibilities. <laughs> and I'm sitting there at my desk at 11 o'clock at night, so at 1 o'clock in the morning listening to the show when I probably should be in bed, you know, ready for work the next day. But, uh, you know, it was interesting and it was fascinating. And, and again, back then he had no guests. It was just him and him and, um, him and this, uh, this co-host of his, and occasionally there'd be another person on and bring a pastor on that he's working with on a particular case or things like that. But it was really just, just kind of him. Um, so I guess what was happening is I guess the, the, the show was gaining some popularity. Um, I know he was able, I found out later on, he was able to actually monitor through internet traffic, how many people were listening to the stream at one time. So I guess he was noticing in the background that uh, the show was, was growing in base. And his goal, you know, was always, he wanted to get, be, you know, be like the next cartel. He wanted to be, you know, that guy, have a, have a, you know, not an internet show, but an actual show on either America radio that was syndicated, you know, coast to coast. And that was kind of his, his goal. So I guess he saw the need for that to happen to try to, you know, get, guests on the show. Now, at the time, he was also working, Lou was working a full-time job. He was actually a pretty good website creator. So he announced on one of his shows that if anybody was interested in helping him out with the show and producing the show to contact him, you know, send a resume or whatever. And, you know, if he saw what he liked, he would, he would, um, you know, be in contact. I have no background in media communications at all. You know, I went to school for engineering um, but it sounded cool. I thought, well, I can, I'd like to help out. It wasn't a paying job. You know, it was, it was a, just a total volunteer thing. So I was like, you know, what the hell? I'll just, I'll send down a resume and, and a short email and just see, and just see if uh, there's any interest. So I guess about a week or so later, um, he responded to me saying that, uh, he wanted to get together and meet me in person. Now, oh, I should say that. Um, like I said, his show was from Philadelphia. That's where he broadcasted from. I, at the time, was living about two and a half hours north of there in, uh, in Northeast PA. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't a long drive down the turnpike, you know, to get there. So I'm like, yeah, I'll come down and, and, and meet you. And, um, and I did that. And I was, I was kind of excited. You know, it was kind of like, it wasn't like he was like some big celebrity guy, but it was kind of cool because I had seen him on some different TV shows at the time that were featuring, you know, ghost hunters uh, were on TV back then. So drove down there and, and uh, met him at, actually it was a Saturday. He was working that day. I met him where he worked. And uh, Lou was a big guy. He, he, Lou was probably, gosh, about 6'2", he had been over, over 300 pounds, he was, you know, a big man. Um, we were the same, same exact age. And uh, I remember meeting him and he just had this larger than life personality. Um, and this, and this big smile that could just like, just really, you know, the really boyish face for a big guy was kind of odd. He looks kind of like a little kid, but that was, that was his, his look. And so we, you know, did a, a lunch or whatever and talked and he said, well, you, you want to do this thing with me? And I'm like, absolutely. And that's when he explained his goal is that, you know, while this wasn't a paying gig, he was hoping that he could get some traction here by getting guests and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, possibly one day, maybe being, I don't know, it was about as big as like an RFL or, you know, a coast-to-coast show, but a full-time opportunity. Get him out of doing what he was doing and, and possibly whoever was working with at the time, you know, moving up along with him. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. 
and I'm working full time at that same time as well. You know, I have a full time full time job and a family and everything. And so, you know, our first um, our first uh, I guess we'll say our, our goals were to get some guests. I'm like, well, how, how do we do that? How do I how do I get guests? Who who are, who are our guests? Who, who who should I get? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I kind of you know talked my way into this thing. Now I'm kind of scared of like how I can actually pull it off. You know, um, so. I just, you know, it was funny, Tony. All I did is, you know, I still was listening to some of the Art Bell stuff. I would just listen to who they had on, um, try to find their website or contact info and reach out to them. And I was, I was shocked at the responses I would get. You know, um, a lot of the guests, guests on there were usually trying to, to, I would say push something, but they were usually trying to market something. They had a book out or a movie was coming out or something like that. So they were more than happy to get any kind of free, you know, time that they could to talk about their thing. They didn't know how small the show was. I mean, and, I mean, we didn't, we didn't push it out as being some huge thing. We said, Hey, it's a small internet radio show. We're just fine. And, and they did. And it went on like that for a long time. Um, we got some really cool guests to come on the show. Um, and as the producer, what was kind of cool is, um, these, these guests all wanted to send me their stuff. So I, I mean, I had a library of like, nice. Yeah. In my house boxes showing up with, with tapes and CDs and books. And I'm like, Holy cow, this is, this is great. And, uh, it, it kind of rolled that way for, for quite a little, for, for a little while. And, you know, we do the show live again, like, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And, uh, I was home, you know, two hours North of him, but, um, you know, back then, uh, there was that AOL instant messenger thing was popular back then. So before the show, we'd log on to there, be talking during the show. He'd always ask me to kind of peruse the material for the given guest that was coming on, maybe get him a couple of questions and then let him, let him run. And he, he used to frustrate me so bad because I would spend time like, you know, um, listening to a CD from one of the guests or, or, you know, going through a book and, and I'd get like maybe 10 questions for him and he'd use like one. And I'm like, you know, I, I got all this, this time put into this thing, you know, and you got one question, but that's, that's how he was. He, he just, he had that gift so he could talk to anybody. Once the person came on and the conversation started, the show just, just rolled. And, uh, and that's how it was. Um, so well, I'm there for a little while and, uh, when the things started getting kind of odd were, let's see, probably, probably three or four months in. Um, into doing this with him. Um, he had, he invited me down to his house one time to actually, um, do the show, to, to watch the show, you know, being done live, how he, how he actually does everything from where he does it from his house in his basement. And I was like, yeah, that would be great. I'd, I'd love to see how this actually all works, you know, you know, behind the scenes. I don't know how you, all, the, all the technical details and things like that that you're doing. So I was thrilled to get to dance around there and, and see it, you know, happen live. Uh, now, in the same time, he was he he was a busy guy. He, somehow he was working a full time job, um, doing this doing this this uh, internet radio thing. He had a family and um, still doing his investigations, you know, with his his um, his team that he had that was doing research on you know these other activities that were going on. Um, and he really, I'd asked him a few times if I could go on some of these investigations. And at the time, I got to tell you, while I was, <clears throat> while I was very fascinated by all things paranormal, I was still very skeptical of certain things. Um, not that I didn't believe, but you know, I had a, had a healthy, 
skepticism would just say, you know, I'm not going to be fooled by things. And, and um, you know, there's so much stuff out there. You don't know what to believe. So I just wanted to actually go to one of these places live one time and just, just check it out. And he was very, very adamant that, no, he, just, he didn't want me involved in the group, that I was strictly going to be on the radio show. I don't, he's always telling me, I don't want you involved in that. Just, just keep doing what you're doing. Just, just keep it separate. Okay. That's fine. Um, a little bit frustrating because I really wanted to go into these, these cases, especially the ones he's working on down, you know, weren't too far from my house and yeah. hearing the results he was getting just to actually, well, again, you want the experience, but then, but do you really, you know, when you have it, maybe, it, maybe, you, you know, don't actually want it after all. Um, so I went down to his place that we're doing this show and, um, in Philadelphia and, and he lived in like one of those, you know, how the homes are down there. Twenty, they're kind of like, kind of like row homes almost in Philly. Like a yeah. lot of those kind of. Like Everything's real there. on top of each other. Exactly, exactly. So I uh, found his house. You know, again, no GPS back then, so I had some crappy instructions. I think I wrote down from somewhere. Finally, found the place, and uh, I get there, and this is where it gets kind of. Well, this is where things started really getting kind of kind of odd. So, um, I go in. And I am not in any way, shape, or form like um, sensitive or uh, have any kind of a psychic thing or a medium thing or nothing like that at all. At least as far as I know, I don't. I walk into his house and I just feel, oh, man, I described it before as I felt like someone threw a blanket over me. Like something came over me that was kind of like weighing me down. It wasn't like pushing me to the ground, but just like, just, just something, just, just something, and something just didn't feel right. And I've had that feeling since a couple of times over the years. Um, but something didn't feel right. Um, so we, you know, we go in. I mean, his family, his wife was there at the time. He had, you know, two girls. Kind of a small house, you know, narrow, um, not big. You know, typical of what the homes down there kind of, kind of look like. And and everything was fine. You know, very, very pleasant. Um, Still, I'm still not feeling super comfortable, uh, but uh, it was was pretty cool. You know, it was probably around maybe eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. So we had two hours before the show started, so we were all kind of hungry. And um, he decided to order a pizza, so we get that. The pizza comes. Now we're sitting there eating this thing. Now we're eating this in his living room, and his living room was very, very narrow. There's like a, a couch against one wall, not a very wide room. There's a TV like kind of across from us. Um, two by left was where the kitchen was. There was a small table in there. You could see it was, it was wide open, a wide open floor plan. You could see, you could see right, right through the house, one into the other. And we're sitting there, and one of the daughters was, I think, on the floor next to me, one of them on the couch next to me, and we're sitting there eating, having a conversation. And then you, we just hear this, this, this boom, like this noise that was so loud it, that the house, it, it, it shook. I mean, the house shook. It sounded like to me as if like, if you had like a, a thousand pound dresser or something, you know, and just pushed it over the, the sound that it would make when it hit the ground. That's, that's how loud it was. I, I probably thought a hundred different things um, in a matter of two seconds. But what, what got me really nervous was the first person I looked at was, was his wife. And, the look on her face, I'll never forget it. She was absolutely horrified. I mean, hmm. horrified. And Lou looks at me and I, I said, what, what was that? And I'm thinking, okay, well, you live in a kind of like a row, row home thing here. It could have been 
and the, the neighbor on your side of you, you know, um, knock something over. I mean, it, this was obnoxiously loud for just something to fall over, but I, I'm thinking anything rational. Like, okay, you're, that could have been anything. He goes, come on with me. Okay. So, um, we go upstairs and we're walking around a little bit and, uh, nothing out of the ordinary. I, we don't, there's nothing really there just to see nothing going on there. Um, so we go back downstairs and his wife is like packing up, packing stuff up. She's like, she, I could see her. She's in like a, like a whirlwind of putting things in her purse and getting things together. And, and, and um, I'm like, and I'm just kind of watching. He's like, what's going on? What's going on? He's like, let's go. We're going now. We're going now. And he's like, why, why, why? And, and like, we're going now. Uh, what's next going on here? So he goes, uh, he goes, Hey, let's go for a ride. Okay. We're going to, we're going to drop her off. I forget her name, but we're going to, we're going to drop her off um, at her parents' house over in, over in Jersey. Let's go. Like okay, I mean we have we have time before this show, you know, and uh, and we get in the car, and no, I mean it's probably it was probably forty five minute drive or so, maybe maybe it was an hour to her parents' house, and we're in the car, and no one's saying a word. I mean, no one's saying anything. Um, Lou smoked a lot. Uh, his wife smoked too, and I'm telling you, they were just chain smoking. I mean, I'm sitting in the back seat, this, you know. Just, they're just chain smoking the whole way. I'm like, wow, this is just, this is just kind of weird. So they get there and they get out of the car and um, I jump out in the back. So I, I jump in the front. And I'm like, what's what's going on? What's the deal? He's like, um, he's like, well, you know what I do. I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, you, this is, and I'm ignorant towards a lot of this stuff. Like, I don't know that there's things. Like, I don't know a lot of the, the, the things that go on with the paranormal. I, I just was a guy who was fascinated by the whole thing. He's like, well, sometimes things, you know, follow me home. Like, what are you talking about? Follow your home. He's like, well, you know what I do. He's like, you know, in this, he's there, especially when it comes to like, you know, the, the demonology stuff. He's like, you know, my my job is to get rid of this stuff, and they don't want that, and there's repercussions of those things. And I'm I'm sitting there thinking to myself, yeah, be kidding me. So I'm like, okay. And he said, and unfortunately, you know, Antoinette, that's his wife, Antoinette. He said, unfortunately, they have. They've been through a lot because of the work that I do with things that have happened in the house, things like that. And they've been in and out of there, I guess, for a while. Whenever things get crazy, he takes them somewhere else until he thinks that things are clear and then they can come back. And he, he told me that he had priests, rabbis, pastors. I mean, I guess you name the denomination had been there to this house and just, just couldn't seem to take care of the problem. Um, which kind of confused me. I thought, well, this is what you do. I mean, if you can do this for other people, at least you, this is what you say you're doing for other people, then how come you can't do it, you know, in your own, in your own home? So it was very, very strange. And, you know, they went there and, and, uh, that was, that, that was kind of it for the, for the, for that. And, uh, you know, we get ready to do the show. So we're down there and we're doing everything. And, um, show goes, goes, goes well as planned and everything. And it was over. Um, and, and, and he did the show in his basement. It, it was very small down there as well. Actually, the stairs that went down to the basement were really narrow. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big man at all. I'm like 5'9", 170. Lou's a big guy. I could barely squeeze down these stairs. I was shocked he could get down these stairs. And they were, and they were noisy. They were noisy stairs also. Older home. Um, so the show was over, and uh, I was going to drive home. Um, and uh, he said, okay, and he, he went upstairs for something. Um, I'm still down in the studio 
And I'm just kind of checking things up. It's my first time there. I'm kind of looking around a little bit. I guess kind of being being nosy, if I'm being you know honest. Um, and I noticed that um, there was a window that was on like street level, you know, with the with the, with the street up there because it was in the basement, and you could see you know out onto the street. And there was a little ledge right there, and there was all this stuff on the ledge, like weird stuff. Like there was like a I don't know, like a like objects. It was like a little doll, and there was other kind of kind of things and. Just things were kind of odd looking at. It was a 10 and other weird stuff. So I'm, mess, I'm messing around with this stuff a little bit. And all of a sudden, I, I, I hear, what are you doing? And it's, it's Lou. He's like right behind, like a foot behind me. I mean, scared, scared me to death. I never heard him coming, which was also odd because those stairs were really loud. You know, so it was bizarre that I didn't hear him coming down the stairs. Because uh, if I would have heard him, I would have probably stopped what I was doing just to, you know, um, and just left the stuff alone. And I said, I said, nothing, man. Just checking out this stuff. What is, what is this stuff? He goes, don't touch those things. I'm like, well, what is it? He said, these are things that, that he collects from um, these different cases that he feels things are attached to. So he's telling me this. And I'm, I'm kind of recalling the entire conversation that we had um, on the way back in the car how he couldn't get rid of stuff. Now, I don't know anything. I'm, I'm not an investigator. I don't, but it, seems to, it seems logical to me that if, if something is attached to something, if that's even possible, then why would you have it like this? Like just sitting there where I can touch it, you know, your, your kids can touch it. Any, I mean, not enough touch this is now is something going to be happening, you know, with me. I have, I have no idea. So it was kind of odd. And then he explained to me later on how, you know, like I think I mentioned to you that, you know, uh, the Warrens had collected things like this and had like a museum. And that was kind of one of his things also. But I, I think cause I've, I've seen stories, but it's been, they, they had more like a separate thing outside their home that, you know, that's where they kept this stuff, not, not sitting there on a ledge you know, of a window in your, in your basement. Um, so it was just kind of odd to see those things, those things kind of sitting there. So um, that was kind of how that whole experience went and then so that was you know some things were just kind of going on with the children further along and everything and and uh you know um then some things started happening sort of in in my life a little bit that were i, I guess they weren't so uncommon but they just were kind of like a series of, of bad things that kind of happened um in a row you know the first thing that happened is well i lost i lost my job um i was laid off from the job that i had about two weeks after after 9-11 um, happened. And at the time I thought, well, okay, that's it. You know, I was living, I was living in a, in a relatively inexpensive area. Um, I wasn't in a huge rush to go out and find a job because I thought, okay, well now I can really, really get into this show. Now I've got all kinds of time to dedicate to, you know, helping this thing move along, you know, even further than, than we were going. Um, so I thought, well, this is good. Maybe the time on this is pretty good. So, uh, that's kind of what happened. We, we started getting into it more and we're thinking of ways we could actually, you know, pursue things and get things even, even more kickstarted. And, uh, so one of the things we talked about doing was, um, doing, uh, like a lecture type thing. I guess back at the, that time, Lou had the idea that going on the circuit and taking his kind of like his show on the road a little bit, um, do like live presentations, uh, at, at places could be a good, another good income stream to help, you know, things in the show. So like, okay, well, that that sounds great to me. How do, how do we do this? 
so we just sat down and we kind of put together uh, a template type form letter. And most of the places that were hosting stuff like this were like colleges, universities, um, some churches, but not, not very many. Um, and that was kind of it. So we just sat down and started sending out letters, these emails to everyone and got some responses, you know, coming back to us. Uh, the first response we got back was from, um, Wilkes University up in, uh, in Wilkes-Barre, PA. And they were very excited because they, they'd, I guess some kids on the campus had heard of his show before. I'm not really sure how it heard of the show, had seen him on different, different TV programs and things like that. And, uh, so they were, they decided to have us, they, they booked him for the, for the presentation. And there, it was actually pretty good money. I mean, they're, I forget what it was, but our argument was whatever, whatever the amount was, you know, we would split down, down the middle. We put half of it away to, to help, you know, with newer gear for the show, better, maybe, you know, better. Um, the thing we had, people were able to call into the show. The thing that we had, I, again, I don't know about the details, but it wasn't very good. The call, the call quality was, was kind of poor. So whatever the next thing up from that was, hey, we'll, we'll put money away towards that. It was kind of an expensive piece of gear. And then whatever else is left, you know, we'll split after travel costs. We'll just split between us, and that's how we're going to roll. Like, okay, great. So the night of the lecture comes, and I've been to the college several times, um, giving them flyers to pass around and to hang in different places. And uh, it's getting pretty exciting because we're getting a lot of – we heard there was going to be a pretty good turnout for this thing. So the night comes, and I'm there. And I think we we're starting at – I'll go say 8 o'clock. I think the exact time. I'm starting at 8 o'clock. I'm trying to reach him like, like for hours beforehand. And this was before, I mean, this was before like texting was what it, what it is now. There, were, there weren't smartphones. It was just kind of like your, your old, it wasn't even flip phones that, that I don't think. It's just kind of like a big block you should carry around, you know, and it, 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 there may have been texting, but probably not. And I can't reach him. He keeps going to voicemail over and over and over and over again. I'm like, all right, he's probably on his way. Um, so it's like 7.30. And there's still no sign of him. Now I'm starting to panic a little bit because now people are showing up. The room we're going to be in is kind of full. Um, I don't know what he needs as far as setup goes. He was planning on bringing slides. He was planning on bringing some. Um, there was no PowerPoint thing back. This, this was old school slides, stuff like that. Maybe some pictures and stuff. And, and now it's like quarter to eight. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm really getting nervous. Um, now I'm, I'm calling his wife. She doesn't know where he is. He's not answering his phone. Finally, at like five of eight, he come he comes rolling in, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, man, where were you? I'm dying here. Like, like I'm nervous. People are, are in the room waiting for you. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I want to get some new new stuff for for uh, the presentation tonight. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, I want to go over to so and so's house. But the person he got that that other EDP I mentioned earlier, he wanted to go back to, to that person's house and see if he got anything new. He goes, where do you hear it? He goes, where do you hear what I got from there tonight? Oh my gosh. So he, he, he's just, he was just good. He just, he, he, he walked in, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the kind of guy that if I'm doing something like this, I need like an hour to kind of, kind of, you know, feel myself into it and kind of relax a little bit. And then now I'm ready to go do it. Not him. He, he rolls in with like two minutes to spare, grabs a little microphone, and he's up on the stage and boom, he's right in. Like, okay, this, this is the gifting this man has. So he starts talking and, and he, he had some pretty good stuff. He, had, he brought some things with him that I'd never seen before. He had video of, of um, 
you know, quote unquote exorcisms he'd, he'd been a part of. And the video was pretty compelling. Like I'd never seen this stuff before. I'm, I'm watching these things. I'm, I'm watching these kids in the room. They're, they're like horrified. They like they're watching like, you know, some scary movie for the first time. Uh, it was pretty dramatic stuff. And then he was playing. He said, hey, tonight, this is special thing. It's probably like an hour into the whole thing. Um, I'm looking around the room and he was really, really good. Everyone was just like, you know, eyes on him, uh, focused on him the entire time. Um, and he said, well, just for tonight, he's there. I, I went out earlier today and to a place known for a lot of activity and got some new uh, EVP recordings. And um, I want to play him for you now for the first time. I, he's there. I had him in my car and looked there. I heard him, heard him on the car, so I'll play him for you. And he's, he's playing the stuff. And it's the same stuff I mentioned earlier, but it's like, it's like up a notch even like before when there was like two voices, there was like three, sometimes four, sometimes you heard like a chorus on top of each other. Just this, just this crazy stuff. Um, and it was, just, it was, it was kind of terrifying stuff. You know, it was, it wasn't, it was disturbing, but again, you know, it's the kind of thing where you're scared to death, but Hey, give me, give me, give me more of that. Give me more of that. Um, so we kind of went on like that for a little while, and uh, it was did a few more a few more um, presentations like that in different areas, and same same kind of responses and things, and uh, kind of rolled that way for for a little while. All right, well, I want to take a minute right now and acknowledge our sponsor for this show, Hunt a Killer. Hunt a Killer is something we've been talking about for a while now because Hunt a Killer is a fantastic game opportunity for people to get involved in. It is a monthly subscription where people become a detective immersed in a murder mystery. Each month, you receive a crime scene photo, evidence, motive, and suspect information that you will need to solve the crime. Now, Hunt a Killer is something that a lot of people can get involved in. In fact, anybody can. If you're in charge, of a group of people, whether it's a team, a work environment, any group of people, this is something that you can really get involved in with your group of people and grow team chemistry, team unity. This is something that is very effective for that. Over 60,000 people have joined the Hunt a Killer online community and they have over a thousand five-star reviews. This is a very legit game that people are loving all over the world, whether you're doing it solo or in teams or at a party. This is just great for everybody. So I highly recommend people going and getting involved in Hunt a Killer. And right now, just for our listeners, you can go to huntakiller.com slash confessionals for 10% off your first box. They only accept 200 members per day. So hurry and take advantage of this offer. That's huntakiller.com slash confessionals for 10% off your first box. Huntakiller.com slash confessionals. I highly recommend people going and getting involved in Hunt a Killer. It really is a great opportunity for you to get involved in true crime in real time. Tony, you've made a mistake. Your efforts are futile. You can't stop what you don't control. Now I'm going to bring back your interview with Joe and when this show is over. I trust you will see things my way. We have pretty good guests on the show. You know, one of, we had some really good good people on there. Um, one of the more notable ones that was really a lot of fun that we had on was... Um, you know, you're here, Robert W. Morgan. Yeah, I, I actually uh, was uh, at a conference where he spoke at recently. 
Yeah, yeah. He so I I same as I usually did usually do. Um, I heard him on um the, the Art Bell show, and um, his contact info was on there. He actually I heard him. He had done a show where it's kind of a famous show now. I guess um, there was a guy who was on the show who called into the show while Robert was on there named Bugs. This guy Bugs from he was from Texas, and this guy had claimed that uh, he had shot a Bigfoot. Maybe one, maybe even yeah. two of them. Uh, yep. And buried them somewhere, you know, in Texas. And it was a really fascinating show. Um, and he had said, you know, the only way he felt comfortable that he knew where they were buried, that their bodies should still be there. Um, and, uh, you know, he felt like Robert was the only one he wanted to, to disclose this information to. Um, and it was fascinating, the whole, the whole account uh, of the situation down there. So I emailed Robert, and he got right back to me, and he wanted to be on the show. So we had him on one night, and he's, he's a pisser, that guy. He's, he's a really funny guy, um, uh, just, just a character, just a character. And, and to hear – Lou is also a character, you know. To hear them two on, on the show together was just um, – it was great. It was like a – like a comedy routine, serious, but it was also like a comedy routine. Just, just tease other back and forth and things like that. And Lou's thing wasn't Bigfoot at all. He was, he was strictly like a, a ghost guy, maybe the UFO guy, but never, never the, the Bigfoot stuff. Um, so the show kind of ended with um, Lou asking Robert. He's like, "Oh, hey," he's like, "Can I come out with you sometime on an investigation?" And I'm sitting there, I, I'm, I am, and I'm like, yeah, 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 let's go. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all excited to go. I'm going, I'm, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going with you. So I'm, I'm like typing super fast, like, yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's go, let's go. So Robert's like, yeah, absolutely. Um, love to, love to have you guys out sometime. So you know, and I've seen this guy before. Like when I was a kid, um, gosh, back in the early '70s, he was in a couple of movies. Like I think Bigfoot, uh, Man or Myth, he was in which was a whole thing about his uh, experiences in, um, in Washington state. And there's also a really cool movie also back in the early seventies. Um, uh, Peter Graves was the host of the show. I think it was mysterious monsters. And okay. Robert was also on, on that show. Uh, and that was the first time I ever saw the Patty film. That's kind of what did it for me. I think um, I probably saw that film when I was four or five years old, which wasn't too long after it actually, I was born in 69. This is the early seventies. So, um, when I saw it, it wasn't very many years removed when it was actually actually filmed. I remember watching that and just thinking, even as a kid, like, wow, what the, what is that thing? Like, it, it looked real to me, you know, as a child, you know. Um, so the, the the opportunity to potentially go out into the woods with a guy with this kind of experience, I'm like, yeah, we got to go. We got to we got to go, go do this. So so we did. Um, you know, after the show was over, we we you know. Uh, exchanged contact information and times and this like that. And uh, he invited us out. Um, we went out in, in uh, was it October? And we went out there. October 2001. Um, actually, when we were driving out there, we had the radio on. We were, we were driving out to a place where, where Robert was had some pretty, I guess, um, pretty good activity going on. And not too far from where we were. A couple hours drive. Um, and... Uh, on the drive out, there was actually the, the same day that um, uh, George Bush, I guess, declared war on on 
Iraq or whatever we did after 9-11 and went over there. So that was the big thing on the radio as we were talking after that. That's why I think it's in my head to know the timeline of that whole thing. Um, so the night we're going, going out there, the deal was I was going to drive down from where I was living from Blue's house, and they're going to drive out from there, do the show live again from 11 to 1. After the show, get in the car, drive the five or six hours to where, where Robert was and meet him there, you know, in the morning, stay over and, and go out with him. Um, so we do the show and actually we had this, we had Robert on the show again that night. We're, we're, we're kind of promoing the fact that we were going out there. So he was on again that night. Um, so we're getting ready to go. And once again, I'm down there in that basement by myself and Lou went upstairs for something and I'm sitting there and I was kind of falling asleep. Uh, a little bit. So it was, it was like one o'clock in the morning and I'm woken up by this. It sounded like someone was tearing a piece of cloth, like that, that tearing sound. And it was loud enough to where, where it, it, it woke me up and kind of startled me. Um, I thought I was hearing things because I was kind of half asleep. And I, I was sitting with my feet up, like on this, this desk, kind of like reclining a chair, but my feet were up on a desk. So I'm hearing this, I open my eyes and I'm hearing it and hearing it. And Tony, I just feel something grab my foot. Like, and I almost had a heart attack. Like I'm like, I'm like, and no one's around, you know, I, and I felt this, this was not me in some sleep state where I imagined it. So I felt something grab a hold of my foot to the point to where I, I kind of, I, I probably even yelled. I must've yelled because he came downstairs going, what's going on down here? And I told him what happened. He's like, no, no, no. He always, he always tried to, sort of push things off, you know, um, or, or minimize it as if like it was nothing. I'm thinking it's not nothing when I'm sitting here and I, not that I felt a hand, but something, you know, something grabbed a hold of my foot. So I was like, all right, whatever. Um, so we get ready to go. What I didn't know is his wife was planning to make the trip out there with this, which was fine. Not a big deal at all, but it was, it was fine and everything. Um, so we go out there and, uh, we hook up with, with Robert out there and this was going to be a really, I was so excited, man. I, I, I was like jumping on the bed to go out there. I'd never done anything like this at all in my life. You know, I, I'd always been fascinated by that topic, but I wasn't a researcher and I didn't know stuff and I didn't, you know, I'd never been in the woods actually actively trying to find something. Um, so Robert met us at the hotel. We were staying, we we're staying right at the hotel, not too far from the area to where he was, um, doing his his research there and and i came i mean i i do like to hike and things like that so i i came prepared to be out there you know to hike you know the proper clothes proper shoe wear so we're getting ready to go and, and robert shows up with a, a friend of his this other guy comes with him and i look at lou and i look at his wife i'm like we're, we're going like yeah we, we know we're going his wife's got like a like a fur coat on um, like she's going to like the, like, like, click on to the theater and I, I, and I, I, I'm not kidding you. And like high heel shoes, you know, Oh no. Lou, Lou's not quite that extreme, but he's not like, he ain't ready to go. I'm like, you guys are going like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. All right. That's, that's, that's great. So we go out there and I could tell even, even Robert kind of looked at him kind of odd like you don't really know like i don't know where they thought they were going if they're going thought they're going for a stroll through the do a, a park like setting like somewhere in philadelphia yeah. or that's not what <laughs> that's not what we were doing 
Um, so we get, we get out to the area and, uh, it's fascinating. Like, like we, we weren't on trails. We, we pretty much parked the car and, and started walking, just started walking into these woods, you know, um, they were struggling to keep up horribly. And, and this guy, this guy, Robert Morgan, I mean, he, he's, he's easily twice my age and, and then some. And so I was probably in my early thirties and he's probably got to be in his sixties. if not, you know, mid sixties, almost seventies. This guy could move through the woods, like, like a spirit. Like I'm not even, I'm not even kidding you. I was watching him. I couldn't keep up with him. Um, he, 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 he kind of walks, he has his hands in his pockets and he kind of almost like hops when he's walking I and mean, you got to see it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm breathing. Like I can really keep up. And Lou and his wife are way behind. They, they can't even hardly move, you know? Um, and, uh, this was my first experience, you know, to get to, to be out with someone like this. And he taught me a, a lot just, just in those, just in that couple of hours we were out there with him, you know, that particular afternoon, um, you know, his big thing was, you know, look for things that, that seem like they're out of place, things that, that shouldn't be where they are, but for some reason they are things that probably anybody else walking around in the woods would never even notice. Like you just probably walk right past this stuff and never even, never even bother to take a second look. Um, so his other big thing he's always telling me is he goes, he goes, you know, so many folks are so, are so interested in, in getting the, 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 the footprint. They want, to, they want that track for the picture or the cast or whatever. He goes, he goes, so they spend their time walking around the woods with their heads down, looking down. He goes, don't do that. He goes, walk with your head up. He said, look for things that are above your head, not below your head. And I didn't really know what he meant by that. Um, you know, told him later on when he was talking about, you know, looking for things that are like, the, that are made with a, with a hand. Look for something that couldn't be, couldn't, couldn't be out here um, that was made by something native to to the area, something that has to have some kind of a thumb and can grip and, and make things, you know, which is, which is just, you know, this is before I seen pictures on the web. I didn't know what tree stackings were or these, these teepee looking things or none of that stuff. Um, never even occurred to me that these things could be what people would see in potentially active areas. So he isn't, a couple of the cool things about him is he doesn't spoon feed you. Like he makes you think, which is cool. Um, you can, you, you can ask him a question, but he always like kind of answer your question with the question. Um, frustrating. Cause I just want, I'm lazy sometimes. I just want the answer. Just give me the answer. I don't, I don't want to think, but just, just tell me, just tell me what it is. You know, um, that's how he was. And, uh, so I think I, I think I saw a lot that, that particular day. Um, down in that, that, that cane that we were in. Um, things that, thinking back on that, that time now, there, there's definitely some, some scientists and stuff. Um, we planned on going back out that night, more in the dark, because I could tell, I could tell Robert and Scott that he was with were kind of excited. I didn't know why they were excited, but I can tell, because they were talking to each other all day back and forth, I guess, you know, private things between them and what they would know, and I know that they're talking about, but I think what they were saying is that they saw some things that would get them to believe that there was something else, something going on here. You know, some activity was here that hadn't been here maybe, maybe previously. To the point to where he's like, listen, you guys want to come back out here tonight with us? And I'm like, of course I do. I'm all over this. Like, I, you can't, what, I'm either going to sit in my hotel room and watch TV all night long or I'm going to be out <laughs> just, 
you know, this Bigfoot guy, you know, and a chance to go lifetime, of course I'm coming out there. Um, Lou's wife decided not to go. I, I think she, she, she really, <laughs> the way she struggled, you had to see her. You had, you had to see her. This poor woman's walking around over rocks, over hills. You, you know, there was just no way. So she, I guess she realized that this was a bad idea. So she stayed back. So uh, we went out that night and um, we walked around a little bit and it was, it was a pretty, it was, a, it wasn't a full moon that night, but it was, it was, it wasn't pitch black. It was, you could see around and uh, Robert, you know, definitely knew his way around and we were out for a little while and um, he decided to set up in this area that was kind of like an open field. And what he had said is he wanted to sit into an area to where we could all kind of sit facing each other, you know, across from each other so that we could see pretty much 360. There wouldn't be anywhere anything can kind of come up from behind us because there was enough room between where our backs would be to any kind of a tree line to where nothing's going to kind of, kind of come in, you know? I don't know what he's talking about. Like, what, what's going to come in? Like, what, what's going to happen here? Um, that's how we sat. And we sat there for a long time. And he's, he's a fascinating guy to listen to as well. He, he has stories and stories that he could just, I mean, I can listen to the guy for hours just telling stories, and that's what we did. Um, now, he was facing me, Lou was to my left, I'm sitting on the ground, Lou was to my left, and this other gentleman was to my, to my right. He was Spitz, um, he was a friend of Robert's. And for, for a long time, for probably 15 minutes, behind Robert, um, I don't know how far it was, I kept on seeing like a little red light kind of far back. I made an assumption. I didn't really know where we were. My bearings were completely gone. I didn't know if there was campsites around. I didn't know if there was, I didn't know where the closest person could possibly be. I know we walked for a very, very long time to get to this spot and we weren't marked, we weren't walking on a marked trail of any type, but I really didn't know where we were. So I wasn't really paying much attention to this, this, this light. I thought it was maybe a campground and some kids maybe were out there with one of those laser pointer things. That's kind of what it looked like from, from where we were. And I'm watching this for a while and they're just, and everyone's just kind of talking. And then Lou had the idea. He brought that recorder he had that seemed to pick up these EVPs, you know, magically somehow. And he wanted to try some stuff. He's like, he's like, would you mind if I, if I try to record some things while we're sitting here? Robert was into it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do whatever you want to do. And so Lou was just saying things. I forget, like, you know, is anything here? Um, if anything is here, do you want to communicate with us? You know, what are you? Just, Questions like that he's asking out loud. All this time I'm watching I'm still I'm still watching this light bouncing around. And it's kind of intermittent. It's not always there, but then it's there, it's not always there. We just, we just want to take it out. These kids are playing with a laser pointer. Um but then I see another one kind of come in. And it, and when when I say can't come in, like there's one there, and then another one kind of comes flying in from what would be my right towards it. And I, I said to Robert, I said, Robert, what's, what's around here? What's, 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 he's like, nothing. I said, I said, is there any houses or anything? He's like, no, he said, we're not, we're not near anything. He's like, he's like, you know how far we walk? I'm like, yeah, I guess. I said, well, what's that behind me and or behind you? He goes, what do you see? And it, all of a sudden it's not there. I'm like, what the heck? Like, now I'm thinking this guy's crazy. I'm crazy. I said, I'm, I said, I don't know. I thought I saw like a, like a red light or something bouncing around back there. And he turned and looked at me and the way he looked at me and the, and the tone of his voice, he was like, where was it? I said, well, it was like right behind you, but several 
maybe 50 yards, you know, back in that tree line over there. He's like, let's go. Now, again, I don't know anything about lights. I've only just recently from other podcasts like yours and others, even heard mention of weird lights in the woods that seem to be for whatever reason around Bigfoot activity. You know, this, this is something that's completely foreign to me again, up until just maybe in the last year or so, I've even heard of this stuff before. But I can tell when I told this to him, he got really anxious. Um, and we got up and uh, he's like, he goes, let's walk towards where they were. And we're walking towards where they were. And there it is. And, and then there it is. And it was so bizarre, though, because it seemed like it's kind of one of those things where, where it, you couldn't get close to it. As we're walking towards it, like I was sworn we should have been where it was. And it's, it's not. It's, it's almost like it's, it's backing away as we're walking towards it, which was freaky because it never got any bigger or smaller. It was always the exact same size. You, I would have thought that as it got further away or we got closer to it, that there was kind of a size difference, but there never was. This was the same. Maybe like a, maybe like a baseball size. Maybe not, not any bigger than that. The size of maybe my fist. Like there. Um, and then the other one came in again. And now there's two of them. And now they're kind of like doing this like bouncy thing. I'm like, oh, come on. So you guys, I said, you must be, I'm thinking in my head, I'm not saying it out loud, because you guys must be mistaken. There's got to be a campsite back here. There's got to be some kids out here playing around with, with these, because it looked just like those laser pointer things. Um, and again, we're walking towards it. Now, now I'm getting kind of weirded out because now I know we've walked to the point to where if there was a campsite from the initial time I saw them, we should have been on it. Like if there was anybody camping right there, we'd have walked right into them. And there wasn't. Um, the lights continued to bounce around for a little while. We probably watched them for five minutes or so. Um, all the while, who's got this recorder going? He's still into doing this EVP thing, you know. Um, and but it kind of it kind of was over, kind of anticlimactic, you know. It wasn't we didn't really find anything. Nothing happened as far as um, what I would consider to be any kind of like a, a, a Bigfoot type activity thing. Nothing like that. And. Uh, but again, they were, they were, Robert was very excited and we got in the car and I could, to, to leave there, we walked back and everything. And I could tell that there was a lot of, um, what, like anxious thoughts towards this whole thing that was going on. And, and then I'm, I'm like trying to explain it away. I'm like, no, it was probably this. It was probably this. I'm, I'm being the, you know, the ultimate skeptic. Like there's no way this is anything weird besides whatever. And Lou got really mad at me. Like, he's like, don't do that. He's like, we had experience out there. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, he, he says to me, he goes, he goes, that happens all the time when like he'll be on one of his investigation cases and something really crazy will happen. Like something bizarre will happen. And I guess what people try to do, and maybe this is, this is true. After you get away from that situation that you're just in, where things were happening that were completely, you know, unexplainable, I guess maybe your rational mind tries to take over and say, well, no, it could have been this or no, it could have been this. And, He's like, don't do that. He's like, he's like, some of my investigators trying to do that. After an experience, they'll say like, well, it's probably this, it was probably that. Like, no, you were there in the moment. This is what was going on. It wasn't any of these things. Like, okay, well, that's, that is what it is. So that was kind of the end of the night. Um, you know, we drove back the next day. Um, we stayed in touch pretty closely with that organization. Um, you know, Robert had a, uh, um, organization back then called the, um, the AARF, the, American Anthrop 
American Anthropological Research Foundation um, that was involved with the, the, you know, the Bigfoot research. And um, he had a lot of other things he was into also um, besides just that. that were kind of like under the, under the title with, all, with, with we call the AARF, just for short, you know. And he had mentioned, he goes, you know, one of the, one of the things that he might want to branch into is more like, you know, things that, that Lou's involved with. He didn't want to do it, but he, you know, I guess he was trying to get like a, a well-rounded type of an organization that, that involved a lot of just kind of strange things, you know, like the Bigfoot research. There's some other things he had going on, almost like, almost like psychic research, um, weird things with the brain type research that were kind of interesting. And he thought maybe Lou's thing might be a nice, uh, you know, nice thing to be involved with this whole organization. So we kind of kept in touch with him through all that stuff. And, and it got to the point to where like, that was looking like it was going to happen. Um, and I got really, not only was I working on, on Lou's show pretty steadily, I was also starting to work with, uh, with Robert and on his stuff. And we got to be pretty close to the point to where I was kind of like, you know, shopping him with his website, um, doing some, uh, he had a couple of really cool CDs out at the time, you know, Bigfoot type CDs, helping him with some merchandising. Uh, he was partnering with, with Ron Moorhead of the Sierra Sound. They were doing some things together. So it was kind of cool being, being part of that whole, you know, organization. And, and this is like, you know, for me, like a dream, like a dream, because like, this is the stuff I've been fascinated by since I was a little kid, you know, now I'm like in it with these, with this whole stuff going on. Um, it got pretty, pretty heavy to the point to where, um, the gentleman who was there with us that night out on the, on the, on the trip, in was Fitz. He came out to my home in PA to talk about further things. And we were in a meeting at my house and, uh, Lou wanted to come from Philadelphia also to talk about these things. So we did have this meeting at my house and, um, my wife at the time took an, she, she took an immediate dislike to Lou. She, she just told me, she's like, I got a bad, vibe about this guy she and, and you know called women's intuition she was in hindsight she was absolutely right there was there was more to this than than you know i guess i was kind of blind to it uh so we're having this meeting and everything and uh a couple hours go by and stuff and we're talking about things and it was sitting in my dining room and um i had kind of had my back to my computer uh to my left is like a filing cabinet but like a low filing cabinet like a you know waist high Lou was kind of sitting across from me, and this gentleman's fits was kind of sitting across from me. And we're just talking, you know, having a good time, talking and everything. Out of the corner of my eye, on the, on the bonding cabinet, there was a, a phone book, believe it or not. Old school. A, a big old, <laughs> big old, you know, thousand-some-page phone book was sitting there. And out of the corner of my eye, I just see this thing slide off the bonding cabinet and hit the ground. It, I mean, it just... It just it wasn't close to the edge. It didn't fall off by itself. It just fell off. And I turn my head and I look at this guy's fits. I said, did you see that? He's like, did I see it? He's like, how could I miss it? I'm like, all right. I look at Lou and again, he, he, just, he just barely even acknowledges stuff like this. Like he didn't even, I said, did you see that? He's like, oh no, I, I, what, what happened? Like, come on. You, you, you were looking at me. Your, your peripheral vision had to have seen, you know, what went on here. Um, but he kind of just, again, you know, blew it off and, and, and didn't act like nothing ever happened. Um, and, uh, you know, the night went on and he eventually asked if he could, if he could, he didn't want to like, drive him back, you know, two hours from Philadelphia and he asked if he could stay. And I remember, uh, <laughs> to my wife at the time, it already expressed to me that she really didn't, didn't 
didn't care for the man and saying, you know, honey, could can move can we stay over tonight? You know, kind of like a, like a kid. <laughs> and uh, and she, you know, she reluctantly said, "Yeah, it's fine." But he said he's got to go. You know, first thing in the morning. So he did. You know, and that was kind of the end of that night. And and uh, you know, we got more involved in the whole the whole you know ARF slash you know Lugentilly kind of uh, combination thing. It got pretty pretty interesting. Um, we had some really good experiences together. Uh, with that whole whole thing, I got to go on some more expeditions out to um, out to the the area where where the research was going on, and had a few experiences out there that were kind of kind of uh, kind of strange. But um, you know, the show was really far on all, all cylinders now too. We we're, we're getting some pretty good guests. We had like we did a whole week on like the Philadelphia experiment, which was if you know that story at all, that stuff is just like insane. Um, yeah, we did an entire time. week on that alone. With you know about that, yeah. So. It, I remember speaking to the guy who was supposed to be the guy that the movie was based on this guy. Al Belak was his name. Um, he was, he was in his nineties back then. So he's probably long gone now, but this guy called me and you know, like a pre, a pre interview before the actual show interview. And for two hours, this guy just, just blew my mind. And I remember thinking this guy's actually, he's either, he's either completely insane or he's a genius because the things he was talking about, the time travel and how this guy was his brother in a different time. And they, they met each other at a different time. It was, I mean, I couldn't even begin to tell you all the things that went on with that. And, and we did a whole week on that. And the show was really, really going Had a few controversial shows. One show I was really kind of pissed about was we had this guy on, there was a gentleman who contacted us. Um, one of the Warren's big cases, I guess, was this, uh, town called Dudleyville. They, they claimed the whole town was haunted. You know, that was their, that was their thing. And I had a guy contact me that said, no, they're, they're wrong about that. You know, it's just this. It was just some weird stories that went on back in the day. And so I, I thought he'd be a good guest for the show. So I told Lou about it. And, you know, Lou was very, you know, protective of, of Ed Marine Warren. I get it. Uh, he, he, he kind of took offense to this guy. But this guy was, um, you know, uh, kind of trying to discredit them as far as this story went. And I'm like, well, hey, let's have the guy on anyway. Let's just have him on. He's like, well, okay, we'll have him on. But, you know, this, this, could, get, this could get controversial. And I'm like, what do you mean? I said, don't, I said, we're not, this isn't Jerry Springer. We're not doing anything. You know, I'm not going to have something crazy happen to where, you know, this guy doesn't want any trouble, no, no controversy. So just let's not do that. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. We won't, we won't do anything. We won't do anything. So this is a really nice guy. I forget his name, but he was a really, really nice guy. He comes on the show and I'm, I'm home. So we're doing the whole chat thing back and forth. And all of a sudden, like maybe, I don't know, half an hour into the show, Lou said, well, Sir, you know, I have a person, a person now who I'm in her line who uh, really, you know, has some disputes to all the things you're saying. My heart sank. I'm thinking, what is he doing? What, what is he doing? So on the other line, um, he has John Zappas. He was a guy, he had a show on TV, I think it was called The Haunted Collector. Um, pretty well known. It, he happens to be Ed and Lorraine Warren's nephew, you know, and I guess a friend Luz. And so Lou has him call in to uh, to turn into Jerry Springer. I'm sitting wow. there. I'm I'm just firing IMs to him like I'm 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 just I'm I'm furious. This is if I'm not mad enough. This this poor gentleman. Oh my gosh! He wrote me an email the next day that you know just about took my head off. He was he was talking about legal action because he had a book out. It, it, he was trying to you know about this whole thing and you know it was. Stuff like that, but but the audience, well, just like Springer, I guess they loved that stuff. Yeah, they, they loved it. 
So, you know, I was still mad about it because I liked this guy. But I thought, okay, well, maybe we have, maybe we, maybe we do. Let's try and have some more controversial stuff on, maybe things that maybe, maybe the things we were always having people on that were all about the paranormal. Maybe we'll have people on who aren't about it, who are saying, no, this is all, you know, true skeptics who don't believe in any of it. Let them talk to this host who claims to be a demonologist and let's see how that goes. So I happened to be doing some research and I found a guy who claimed that the entire Amityville horror thing was a complete hoax. He said he had proof. Um, he was personal friends with um, uh, the, the guy that they killed his family there before the, the Lutz family moved into the house. He, he knew him personally and knew the whole thing was contrived and got the other thing. So I thought this guy would be perfect. I mean, this is a great guest to have on. So I contact him. He, he wants to be on the show. And we started kind of promoting that a few weeks prior to him being on. Kind of, kind of really pumping it up like, hey, the guy coming on here that says that he knows and knows certain terms that entire thing was nothing but a hoax. He has the proof behind it. Um, you know, Lou was saying how offended he was because, you know, Ed Marine are his mentors and, you know, this guy is going to be on here trying to, you know, dispute them. So it was going to be a, going to be a thing. When the interim, I get an email um, from uh, uh, an actor from California um, who emails me saying, you know, would you please contact me? This guy that I have on, the guy that was Rick Osuna, that was his name, who's been in the show. This guy's a fraud. He is just pissed off about, um, because he was cut out of a project we were working on. He's going to contact me before you even, even think of having this guy on the show. So I do. I contact the guy. I forget his name. I think it's Scott. Um, but uh, Scott was an actor from California whose one of his best friends was a producer out there named Daniel Farrens. And Daniel Farrens is at that time, his biggest thing was he, he, he wrote one of the Halloween movies. I forget which one it was. It was, it was three or four, one of the ones that like weren't, weren't all that great, but he was, he was the writer of it anyway. So they were, they actually had written a documentary that was on either A&E or History Channel about Amityville. Um, and they said that, you know, they were, they were friends with the actual Lutz family. At this point in time, the Lutz family from Amityville had been out of the, they hadn't done anything in the media for, for ages. They were kind of like way off the radar. They, they weren't even, you know, a thing anymore. Um, this was way before that second movie came out, that remake that came out, I think in the late 90s, early 2000s, almost in the early 2000s, um, with Ryan Reynolds, for the remake of the original movie. This is, before, this is before that. So they contacted me and they said that, you know, the reason that this guy is all bitter is because he was supposed to be a part of this new project. And they wouldn't tell me what it was. They wouldn't let on what it was. And they cut him out of it. Um, he was a big believer in the, in the whole thing. And so they did that. And they had, they said they had emails they could prove that he, you know, he did believe in the whole thing because he was involved with the project to kind of like revive the whole story. And they did. They showed me some stuff that like, okay, it did feel like this guy out of his own, his own bitterness sort of, uh, you know, turned on him. And now was trying to maybe, you know, tank their project. Um, so I ended up corresponding with these two, these two guys from California for quite a while. And to the point to where we had a phone conversation one night, uh, me and the Scott, the, uh, the actor guy. And I got to tell you, at that point in time, I was, I was pretty much living the, the, I was living the, the night hours. I wasn't, 
you know, I was totally opposite of most of the world. My, my awake time was between like, you know, 10 and five, you know, cause that's when, that's when the show time usually was in those time and, and uh, sleeping kind of during the day, kind of like a third shift I almost would be. They used to call me late because they were in California, three hours behind me. And one night we got into a heavy talk about the whole Amityville thing. Um, and again, they were, they were working on some projects. Again, they were, being, they were being kind of secretive about the whole thing. But they remember saying, they had said to me, you know, we can probably get you in touch with the Lutz family to be on your show. That was a really big deal back then because they hadn't done anything in ages. I think they had been refusing interviews on bigger shows than us. I mean, we were, we were nothing in the grand scheme of things, you know, um, we had some little internet radio show. We were nowhere near like a coast to coast, but they just weren't giving it with anybody. Uh, I remember telling this to Louis, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, we gotta, we gotta do this thing. And, and so one night this guy was talking on the phone and I gotta tell you, Tony, like we were talking heavy about the whole Amityville thing. And like I said, I was used to being up these hours and I just got, I got really sick to my stomach for like no, for like no good reason. Um, and just, I just got exhausted. Like I just, this overwhelming, just, just complete exhaustion feeling came over me to the point where I, I found myself, I couldn't keep my eyes open and stay awake. I'm like, what is wrong with me? This guy's talking on the phone with me and I'm kind of being rude. So I'm, I'm sure he's here and I'm not really answering him like I, like I should be. Um, to the point to where like I, I fell asleep. Now that doesn't sound so odd, but it, it is odd because that, that's not, that doesn't happen. That just wasn't how I was at that, at that time. These, these were my waking hours. Like people being awake during the daytime, these were my waking hours. And it freaked this guy out so much that I woke up the next day. I woke up, I didn't know when, but the phone's still next to me and an email from him. I wake up to saying, are you okay? You know, we were talking also you were just gone. And I'm concerned because this kind of thing has happened before. What the heck is he talking about? So I emailed him back saying, yeah, I'm okay. I'm not sure what happened either. We talked again that night. He just wanted to make sure. And he said, he's like, you wouldn't believe it, but he's there. That's happened to several people, different times. We were talking about this topic that they've just been, they've been fine. And suddenly they got sick for some reason or just kind of fell asleep or, or, or passed out or whatever. You know, it was really, really bizarre. So, um, see where we go from here. So, uh, you know, they, we talked to them more times about you know, different things and they kept on saying, you know, we're going to work, we're going to try and help you get, uh, you know, a show with, with the Lutzes and what a big deal that is. Again, they've been out of the spotlight for so long. We did the show with, um, that, that guy who was the student, the whole thing it was, it was really controversial. It was very, very, it was animated. It was a heated show. Um, and, uh, you know, it was what it was. It was seemed like what, seemed like what people wanted to hear. They wanted to hear things like that. Um, and then I was sitting home one night and eight o'clock or so at night and, uh, my phone rings and I look and the caller ID says, Arizona. I answer the phone and <laughs> I hear, uh, hi, hi, Joe. This is, this is George Lutz. I heard you trying to reach me. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is the guy, this is the annual horror father you know, um, from the story. He, and I, I was, I was like stunned. I, first I didn't really believe it at first. Like that was a book that I read when I was a kid. I mean, I, I don't want to say I was a fan of the end of the horror. It sounds kind of strange, but 
but I was very intrigued by the story. And now this, this guy who was like in the spotlight back in the seventies and out of the spotlight for years, somehow he gets my number and he's, he's calling me. Um, turns out that those guys from California got, got him, you know, gave him my number. He got a hold of me. Um, we talked on the phone for, Oh my gosh, I didn't know how long it was a couple of hours about all kinds of things. And finally got to the point to where he said, um, let me think about, he said, I haven't done anything in the media. He said, I really don't, I shy away from these things now. It's been, you know, it's been years and years and years. Let me think about it though. And, uh, um, cause they're working on some things like things now that this might be good timing and, uh, I'll, I'll get back to you. So he did. And we ended up doing, um, and we did a horror week, uh, not too long after that. It was, you know, a week of shows Monday through Friday. Um, not only did we get him to come on, but we got a couple of the kids that, you know, they're, they're grown up now, but a couple of the kids that were, you know, part of the story then. Um, I could be wrong about this, but I think, I think at that time, Kathy, his, uh, his wife, they were no longer together. She either already passed away or was, was not, was not really very, doing very well. So she was not on the show. Um, but in the, in the, the final night, the, the, the big finale would say of the week was having, you know, him on and that kind of, um, that kind of did it that, that week sort of launched everything. Um, Next thing you know, I know Lou was getting uh, phone calls and emails from different stations and different people who wanted to try and like syndicate the show and and get it going. And it seemed like you know all these things that we've been working for um, were going to happen. I thought, wow, isn't this great? This, this is my gig now. This is what I do. I don't have to go back to working as an engineer, which I hated. I'm gonna, this is this is this is going to be it. This is what I'm going to do. You know, it was it was like. I was amazed. I, it was so like a you know great great thing. He was super excited. He already left his job. I don't know. I don't know how he was making money, but it's nice to move to that and the the different um, uh, lectures we were doing still at the time were, were giving enough money to keep himself going. So he'd already been out of his job for a little while. Um, and uh, off we go. Well, there was a there was a the stuff we needed, like I was telling you earlier, to take the show to the next level. Like we were on a shoestring budget at best. We had nothing, we had no good gear or anything. And there was this piece of machinery that he wanted to get to the phone calls of the, of the, of the people calling into the show. Um, not the guests. The guests always sounded good. It was more like the listeners who were calling in to ask questions. The quality just wasn't there. It needed something. So there was a company at the time that would let you um, borrow, loan out this thing for a little while, and, you know, see if you like it, try it out. And then if you liked it, you, um, you bought it. If you didn't like it, you returned it, you know, no harm, no foul. So we got it. He was good with this stuff. I, I was not, he set it all up and we tried it out and it was, it was, it was wonderful. I mean, oh my gosh, it, the, the clarity of people calling in was like, like they're in the room next to you. It was perfect. Really did the things it was supposed to do. But I think it was like, man. Like five grand, I mean, something like that between two and five thousand dollars. Not a ton of money, but more money than me. Then I had to give more, he had to, you know, take out his own pocket or anything. Um, so we used it. I know we had it for two weeks, and I remember this is where things kind of walked with him, where things were starting to get kind of crazy. Um, I said, Isn't it about time to send that thing back? And he said, I, I'm not sending it back. I'm like, well, you have to, you know, it's got to, got to go back. He's like, No, he said, I'm not sending it back, I'm keeping it. Like, what are you going to tell these people? They, they, they sent it out here, um, and you're using it. He's like, well, you know, 
what's to say I don't just send back an empty box and tell them, listen, I mailed it. I don't know. I don't know what happened to it, you know? Now, I'm hearing this, Tony, and at the time, you know, I, I, I wasn't a, um, I wasn't a Christian man. I, I certainly wasn't that. I am now. I was, I was not at this point in my life, but I was definitely a, you know, a, a God, a believer in God. And this is a, this is a man who, who was, you know, saying to me, who was doing things, you know, in the name of God. I mean, I realize we all do bad things, even when we are, you know, Christians, but this just seemed wrong to me. And why, why, how am I the voice of reason? Why am I pointing this out to you? You're supposed to be the guy that knows all this stuff. So he's like, oh, God will understand. I'm like, <laughs> like, you know, it, that's what he's he'll understand. And I'm using, and I'm using this to um, uh, further him or something like that. It wasn't like further the kingdom or anything like that. It was like, you know, for his work. I wish I knew what I know now. I'd have had a lot more ammo to fire back at him to say why that was completely um, off of any, in any way, shape, or form of being the right thing to do. But that's what it was. And uh, I couldn't believe it. So I said, listen, how much, how much is this thing? You know, I don't feel like guilty. And I, think, I think it was $5,000 because it's going to dull my head. I said, listen, let's just buy it. I said, I could probably come up with $2,000. If you come up with it or two or three or whatever, let's, let's just buy it. So we, I did that. And I, I gave, I remember giving him the money, um, just by the wrong thing to do. And, uh, but he still kept that. He, he never, he never paid for it. Like I know he never paid for it. Cause I, they had my email, um, and were asking me where this thing was. And I kept saying to him, I'm like, Hey, I gave you the money. You told me you were buying this thing, but they're emailing me. They haven't got it back yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's all taken care of. This is again. This this guy just started getting weirder and weirder and weirder. You know, things things were just getting kind of strange with him. Um, you know, initially, you know, a year prior, everything seemed to be like like you know his interests seemed like they were very very good. And I hate to bash the guy now because he actually you know he actually got it a few years ago, but but that's just what it was. It just it's just what it was. Um, things just became like he just changed. Something was just changing about him. And I noticed it. Um, he started getting kind of, we talked every day on the phone, I mean, several times a day. Um, and he started, and we were always really we cool with each other. And he just kind of turned into a jerk. Like, I don't know if it, I thought, I thought it was like fame or whatever it was, or, or potential of fame going to his head. Um, I don't know what it was. He was getting, he was starting to get, uh, Invitations to go to like these uh, horror festivals where like big actors were going to be like these horror con things and stuff like that. And he was doing all those things and getting a lot of attention with that stuff. A few more of the ghost hunter shows invited him on, so things were picking up a little bit. So I just figured it was just stuff going to his head. Um, until I got an email from this guy that called himself I think it was Father John. I forget. Father John was a frequenter of the chat room that I told you earlier went on during the show. That was like his handle. That was his login for, for the show. And what I found out later on is this, this father, John, what he called himself, he wasn't, he wasn't a priest who called himself that. He was actually a part of Lou's investigative group. I didn't know that. And he emailed me and he said, um, can we have a phone conversation about Lou? We're, we're worried about him. All right. Yeah, sure, of course. So he calls me one night at home and we're talking about things. And he says, you know, we, this is where, this is why I was praying with you earlier a little bit. Um, he says, uh, 
you know, we're getting worried about him. Um, he's been spending an awful lot of time over at that house. They got those crazy potential demon EVPs. Okay. Um, he'd been going there. They always, I guess, agreed that, that none of them would go anywhere alone, you know, as a team, I guess, safety and numbers, but, but they just wouldn't go anyplace alone. And I guess he started going there alone, um, spending a lot of time there, and they were fearful that he was starting to become what he thought he was fighting. Um, that something was potentially <laughs> affecting him in some way, you know, um, and he didn't even realize it. He was kind of like blind to it. And I wasn't really so surprised to hear that. Again, being skeptical, even after all I'd seen on the show and people I'd talked to and people, you know, conversations I had with people who would tell me stuff about things that were unexplainable, but still I had this healthy skeptic, you know, mindset. And um, and this Father John says, and he goes, have you noticed at all that during the um, during the conversation, I haven't mentioned his name. And I thought about it, I'm like, oh yeah, he, he didn't. He, I mean, we we knew who we were talking about, but he never really called him by name. He didn't say his name. And I said, yeah. I said, is that, I said, well, why is that? He goes, because whenever I say his name, stuff happens. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'll get it short. I'm just thinking about it. Um, so he, uh, so he, um, he, he, uh, he says his name. And I'm telling you, man, it's so weird. Like, there was something on the phone. Like, there was something, there was something on the phone. Um, and I could hear it. I couldn't hear it, like, clear. Um, but I heard it. And it's, it sounded a lot like what those EDPs sounded like. And I heard this, you know, I heard this. And I didn't think they got some trick on me. Like that never even entered my mind. I did not think that this guy had called me with the intentions of trying to deceive me or, um, or anything like that. I, I mean, maybe I'm just being naive and maybe, but I, I just don't think so. I, I, because of the, I might've thought that if the feeling that I got didn't accompany hearing what I heard. Like if I just heard what I heard and just like, what was that weird thing I just heard? You know, put that in the background of your phone there. But it wasn't that. It, it, it was like, if, if fear could, I don't know, I don't explain it very well, but if, 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 if fear was an actual thing that you could touch and not really more like feel inside, if you could like touch fear, that's what it felt like. Like, like, I, like I touched something that I shouldn't have, you know, and, uh, and, um, it scared me, man. It's, it scared me. It wouldn't scare me. It, it uh, it terrified me <clears throat> because it, 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 it happened a couple of times. Um, because a couple of times, uh, I think this guy said the name by accident, like he didn't mean to, um, but just cause we were talking about him, that it just was natural from the say the name and it was like clockwork like the minute you heard the l the minute you heard the l of the, of the dam it was right there behind it and uh i'm like all right 
so we, you know, I figured how the conversation ended, but um, I was, I was freaked out, like beyond freaked out. <laughs> freaked out didn't even mean to describe what I was feeling. Um, you know, now what's coming into my head is all these things that I remember. I think, and, you know, I remember being at his home, this weird stuff happening, and how he says things come home with him. I'm thinking, man, did, did my involvement with this guy in any way, shape, or form, just because I'm involved with it, you know, I wasn't a researcher. I didn't go to these places with him, but was I somehow, I don't know, just because of my, what I was doing, did I, am I on the radar now for something? You know, I got a family, I got kids, I don't need this, you know? So, um, between that and him getting weird, uh, I, I started trying to kind of phase myself out. Um, I was still doing what I was doing. It, it, was, it was so, what sucks about that is because, Right now, we're on the cusp of the things that we've been working for, for all this time. You know, like, it felt like it was right around the corner. Like, all of a sudden, hey, we're going to get syndicated and picked up, and this thing could be awesome, you know? And here, here it is. And then he, Lou called me one day with, with that exact news. He's like, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what? He tells me that, that he got some kind of an offer or something, and, and, and like, here we go. I'm like, and I, and I got to tell you, I ordinarily I'd have probably been doing backflips down my street, but I wasn't even excited about it because I just, I, I knew that I had to get away from this. And what was really strange about that is I've known this man very, very well for a couple of years. Okay. Like I said, we, so we were two and a half hours away from each other. We talked every single day. We, we were, we were together as much as possible. We were, we were like a team, you know, this man wasn't a drinker. He did not drink. He smoked like a chimney, but didn't drink. Um, just was not a drinker. They were saying to me, we're having a party and I'm going to get some alcohol. We're just going to get, we're just going to do it up. I was thinking, you never even had a beer with me over dinner. You know, like you, you, this isn't, this is not, this is not you, you know? I remember seeing that to me. He's like, yeah, 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 but it's okay. And it's not that there's anything wrong with it, but it just wasn't his character to, to, to do that. So, I kind of went through the motions for a little while, and then I I, I did some did some, some thinking, and and I eventually maybe it was a coward's way out a little bit. I remember I wrote an email to him. Um, I knew he'd be calling me after it, but I wrote an email to him and just saying, hey, you know, it's been great and whatever, but um, you know, I gotta I gotta get out of this because this is it's a, I, I you know suspecting things and this and that. I gotta I gotta find a job you know whatever and um. <laughs> He didn't call me. He, he didn't call me. I thought two and a half hours later, now Lou drove this big, kind of funny, big black Cadillac. That was, that was his car, big black Cadillac. Couldn't miss it. We're sitting there, and I'm sitting in my living room, um, and there's a window that faced street I lived on. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this big freaking black Cadillac pulled in front of my house. I'm like, oh my gosh. So he didn't call me. He shows up in my house. You know, two and a half, three hours later, I guess after he read this, got in his car and, and drove up here. And uh, he he talked me into, um, I guess I'm being a wuss, Tony, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> Lou's walking in. He's walking in. He's like, you know, you can't do this. You know, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. You know, forget I wrote that. But take it back. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be back with the show again, you know. Um, and, uh, so I think I went through the motions for a little bit longer. Um, was getting it, I got a few more emails from that Father John guy just 
saying, you know, I, I, I could tell he was concerned about, because the conversation they had on the phone, I freaked out on him. I could tell he was concerned. And so, and then just weird things were happening. Like I had a little side business going, you know, like with some rental properties and things are sort of going bad in my life. Again, I, I, I don't want to say this like, a, you know, a, I don't want to blame it all to some kind of crazy thing, but it just was kind of coincidental that the things just started going wrong in my life. Um, my little business I had inside kind of fell apart. Um, uh, my wife at the time and I are, are, are not getting along. We actually ended up getting divorced. Um, I lost my business. You know, I already lost my job. Um, business gone, wife gone. You know, just bad things were happening in my world. And uh, after this, you know, I, 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 I emailed him again, <laughs> said I was done. So coward twice, two times, two times coward. You know, I, I pull that twice. Shows up again. Shows up again. I couldn't believe it. I could. I thought there's no way he'll drive up here again. I'm not around the corner. It's a it's a haul. It's you know two and a half hours or so. You know, without traffic. And uh, this time, I kind of stood my ground a little bit and said no. I said, you know what? I said this isn't good for me. It's not good for my family. I got I got to think about them. So, uh, I got we got to be done. And that was it. Like, that was it. He, he, he got in his car. I never heard from him again. I never, I never heard from the man again. I never got a text, a phone call, an email. Um, like, he just, he was just, just gone. Uh, it, was, it, it, was, it was kind of bizarre, you know? Um, I, I don't know what I expected. I don't know if I was expecting to ever hear from him again or anything like that, but I, I, I maybe I was not really sure, but, uh, he was gone. Um, you know, from afar, I kind of kept tabs on what was going on because, uh, I was still on, I mean, I had passwords to all his stuff. I mean, I had to his email list and I used to send all the, all this stuff out, you know, the email blast and, and, uh, I had passwords to the, to all, everything I had, um, I even updated the website uh, here and there, and um, he changed it, of course, which I, which I don't blame him for doing. Um, and then I remember I, I was still I was still on his email blast. He sent out an email blast saying, you know, he was looking for another a new producer for the show, or whatever. Didn't go into the reasons why or anything. And, and um, you know, I, I guess like anything, I got kind of jealous and uh, of it. And then I kind of again watched from afar, and um, he did have some level of success. Uh, he, he went on to do, do some things and, um, you know, I kind of saw that happening and, and I don't know if I had some regrets, but I guess I did, but, but I know it was better in, in the end that, that, that it, that it happened that way. Uh, and, um, I only got into some trouble, um, because one of the things I forgot to mention to you is that somewhere along the way before this, we, he had, he had just now got his hands on a, um, an FM transmitter. Not sure where he even got it. And he, I knew he had it. He told me he tested this thing out one time. He, he put, he put some kind of a, just music on from his house to test this thing. And he said he drove from his home like 15 miles and was still picking this thing up. Now you know how Philadelphia is. You, you got 15 miles around you. You know, that's, that's a lot of people. Um, that's, that could be a million people. And I, and that is one of the reasons I think why the show started to, to really go because, you know, who knows? You're, you're scanning your dial one night, and all of a sudden this, this show pops on, and all of a sudden you're hearing it. So that, I know that was a big bump, but I know we got a lot of trouble for that because 
well, that's illegal, you know. Um, I know we got fined by the FCC pretty heavily for that. Um, some other things happened to him, and and I found out just not too long ago that he, he 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 was he was part of that. There was this challenge for this guy named the Amazing Randy, this magician, who I guess had like a uh, an ongoing challenge of a million dollars. Randy is like is like a skeptic atheist, believes in nothing. Everything can be explained. There's nothing in this world besides what we see. In a million-dollar challenge, anybody could prove anything paranormal in a you know somewhat controlled environment, you know, a mutually agreeable type circumstance. A million dollars. I don't know who's talking about that. He he wanted to challenge this guy with his EVP recording, you know, um, and it went on for a long time. And then he kept backing out and backing out. Eventually, it came down to it is that um, you know he kind of backed down to it and and. Uh, it looked to the world as if like he was just a big frog, you know, all big talk. But when you come right down to it, you know, you, you can't, you can't walk the walk. It's just all bunch of talk. But I'm telling you, it, I, I know those things were real. Those recordings were real. Cause I, I watched him do it. Oh, I forgot to tell you is, um, when listening to the recordings of the night we're out there in the woods with Robert, um, he caught, he got some stuff on there. I thought, I thought about that. He, it you know it sounded it was so bizarre. It was like gibberish, sort of, but it almost sounded like he played it for Robert, like a like a Native American dialect. It was bizarre, like it was just so weird that he that he picked this thing up out in those woods. Um, it was just so weird. So I never. Even the skeptic in me never really doubted that those those recordings were real, and um, so I was just I was I was always curious why he didn't go through with it and actually try and collect on that with that guy. But um, after that happened, I think I think things kind of free fall from there. I think that that kind of made to the world look like he was a big fraud and a hoax, and um, and that was it. Uh, then he kind of went off my radar for a long time, um, and I hadn't heard from Robert in a very very long time. Uh, we kind of Nothing happened. Just, you know, we just kind of lost touch and stuff like that over the years. And um, he emailed me. I don't know it one time. And he says, uh, did you hear about our, our mutual friend? And I hadn't. And he, he had told me, I guess he read somewhere that, that Lou had contracted cancer and, and died. And uh, actually, this, this earlier this week when I was just thinking about, you know, coming on your show, I was just curious. I went out trying to find some, I've been trying to find audios or, or, or something of these old shows that we did, you know, back in the early 2000s. And, um, they, I can't find him anyway. They don't exist. Like his website is gone. Um, I don't know where the archives would be. There's nothing on YouTube. Well, there's something on YouTube with him, but nothing as far as the show goes. But I did find a clip the other day of him, and it must have been when he was sick because, oh my goodness, he was a big man. Like I said, he was skin and bones, man, skin and bones. It must have been like you know, uh, towards like you know, unfortunately the end of his life. But uh, that's kind of it, man. That's kind of. It's kind of a, yeah. it's a really long story. Well, <laughs> that I just on you. No, well, I'll tell you, man, like that was fascinating. I mean, the whole, the whole storyline of how this thing unfolds and stuff. I mean, I, I wasn't sure where it was all going to go and stuff, but as you were telling the story, it was just becoming more and more evident to me that Lou had some hauntings in his own life that he carried. And it seems like, uh, it affected people around him. And it also seems like it affected him in a very negative way as time went on. I mean, uh, like, I guess from the time that you 
started working with him to the time that he was pretty much, let's just call it what it is, stealing equipment from companies. Like, I'm assuming that that, because you even said during the interview, like, that wasn't the Lou you knew. And so there was a, a clearly no. a change going on with him. And, um, you know, when he's talking about, when, when you mentioned earlier about how you're in this house and you see those uh, trinkets and you're looking at me, he yells at you, uh, like he, he was bringing stuff into his house that could have carried whatever he was dealing with. And, you know, it's just like, he didn't want you going out to do these investigations with him. He was adamant about it, uh, probably because he knew these things were coming back to him. I mean, like, and he didn't want that on you, but over time, it changed him. It changed his whole character. And so it sounds like to me. You're absolutely right about that. And, and I, you know, when I think about that now, I, I saw it happening right before my eyes that I was kind of blind at the same time. The first time I met him, the first, my first trip down there to meet him at his work that time before I was even working on the show. The one thing about him that stuck out to me was he just had this smile, like this, just this smile that was just like, you know, it would make the world happen. I remember seeing that, and he was so welcoming. And we just, like, you know, bonded, like, immediately. And and that kind of... And I, and I don't remember seeing that smile very much after... Not, not immediately after that, but, you know, in the years or so after that, that kind of... I never saw that again. Um, it just became... He became so driven for the success. And then, like you said, I, I really think that there was a lot of stuff going on with him. Um, like that guy told me on the, on the phone that he, he, he was fearful that he was becoming what he thought he was fighting against. And, you know, I don't know much about exorcisms or demonology and stuff like that. And I, and I really don't even want to, cause that stuff frankly kind of scares the crap out of me. Um, but, the one thing that I, I think I do know, because I've heard enough shows about it, read enough things about it, is that, you know, if if you're not right with God, um, and you're trying to battle something like that, you, you don't have a chance. You know, you, have, you haven't had a chance. I mean, I know that we're all sinners, and we all none of us are perfect, you know, but, but I think that God knows our hearts are good. Even when I screw up, I think God knows my heart is good, you know? Um, but... <sighs> It's if if that's not where you're at, um, I think that you could be deceived into thinking that you're fighting it and you're winning. But actually, that that's the whole plan to make you think you're winning the battle. But you know what? You're losing. You're losing it because ultimately, it's kind of profound. I think it just kind of hit me now. I think that Ruth thought that he was doing what he was doing, and somehow is glorifying. But I think he was glorifying exactly what he thought he was fighting. If that makes sense. No, that does make sense. That does make sense. Uh, and I'm sure that can easily happen over time. It's not like he woke up one day and just, you know, started glorifying the things he was fighting against. Uh, but, you know, maybe along with success, you know, comes an ego. And with an ego comes, uh, you know, putting your guard down on certain things. I mean, that that very easily can happen with anybody. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that even I worry about just never changing who I am as the show grows and things. I don't want to be a different person. I just want to continue to be myself and enjoy what I do. You know, like I just want to be who I am and not really 
be worried about and getting caught up in what success is. Because what is success? You know what I mean? What is success? Is it money? Is it downloads? Is it, uh, you know, likes on a Facebook page? What is success? You know what I mean? Because I, I know there's there's shows out there that have way more uh, likes on a Facebook page, but I get more downloads. So I mean, what is success? You know, it, it's it, it's so loosely defined. And, and for me, for me, success in my life is just, I just want to be happy. I want to be able to provide for my family and see them and be happy. And, uh, you know, it, I guess some people it's more money. I don't know, but, uh, Lou might've got his signals crossed at some point, you know, and, and you're right. If you're, if you're not, if you're not spiritually there to handle exorcisms and things like that, like you're going to get your butt whooped, whooped. Cause I, I mean, I, I didn't even like that story that I told in the show a couple of weeks ago and I shared it, you know, maybe 20 or 30 shows ago, you know, when I was at that guy's house, like he's trying, he's trying to get me demonically possessed. I have no idea what's going on around me and I'm, I, it didn't work, but I did feel the effects of spiritual oppression. Like I still got my rear end handed to me. It was because I was clueless. I didn't know what was going on around me. And I spent three hours with this guy just taking a beating that I didn't know I was taking until after I left. And so it's like, you got to be aware of those kind of things. When I was when I was younger and I was in college, I took uh, I, I was one of the leaders that took uh, our youth group to a, a convention. And uh, there was a girl on the floor. Now, at, at these youth conventions, you know, they, they call kids up to, you know, get prayer prayed for and things like that. And uh, there's this girl on the floor, like the convention's over, like people are leaving. And there's this group of people down in front that are still praying for this girl who's just sobbing on the floor. And my youth group ventured up to, to the area where this girl was at. And the closer you get, the more you realize there's something else going on here. Uh, you hear the people praying for her, denouncing whatever's in her. And she's her crying is more of a howling and and groaning, and her body is uh, convulsing, and 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 there's full grown men trying to keep her from moving, and she's just like moving these full grown men like from the floor. This girl wasn't uh, she wasn't tiny, but she was she was an out of shape teenager teenage girl who should not have been able to move uh, these men the way she was moving them, and so my youth group the kids start diving in, putting, trying to put hands on her. And I, I, I pulled them all away. I said, back up. You're not ready for this. Do not dive into something. You don't know what you're dealing with. I said, if this girl's demonically possessed and you're not spiritually ready, you might have the problems that she has right now. You have to be aware of those kind of things. And in the Bible it talks about it. I mean, Jesus's disciples went in trying to do the, do the, uh, you know, expelling of spirits and, they got their butt handed to them. The demons were like, we, we know who Paul is. We know who Jesus is. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> like, like, I don't know you. And so it's like, I'm not saying you got to hit hit a certain level of spiritual awareness to uh, do these kind of things. I believe that anybody can do these things, but uh, you have to be aware of what's going on around you at least. Uh, I don't, I don't go walking. I've had the opportunity. I've had even before I started the show, I had people contact me asking me to come to so-and-so's house. They have a ghost or demonic spirits in their house, this, that, and the other. And I didn't go. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that. Mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't ready for that. And I, I you know, even before I started the show and stuff, I, I knew what this stuff had to deal with. I mean, this has been, you know, my closet, uh, uh, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's been my infatuation my entire life, these things, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I, I was the kind of guy that, you know, I, I, I don't watch TV anymore a whole lot, but I would sit around the TV and the first thing I'd be looking for is give me some ghost shows, give me some Bigfoot shows. Like th- this was what I was about. And, you know, yeah, I knew I wasn't ready for that. And so I didn't go because I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, bring that back with me and stuff. Uh, it's just, I, I really think, I know I'm ranting right now, but I just really think that a lot of times people, they think they're good, but they got to check themselves because uh, just because, you know, you you are um, claiming Jesus Christ, like, where's your heart at though? You know what I mean? Like, and, and th- these are questions yeah. that I personally have, you know, I like if somebody is dealing with the demonic entity and they claim the, the, they claim Jesus Christ over it. You know, they denounce it in Jesus Christ's name, but that person isn't a believer in Jesus Christ. Does it work? I don't know because I've heard, I've heard both stories. I've heard people say it didn't work. I've heard people say it does work. So it, I don't know, but it, there's, there's so many questions about this stuff. There's so many unanswered questions that we have. Uh, and you can, there's so many people out there that will give you, this is the answer. This is what it is. This is what, the, listen, I'm sorry for every answer I get, I can find somebody give me a, the opposing answer to that. And I, that's why I'm such a big proponent when it comes to anything, whether it's cryptids or uh, demonic stuff or whatever, like you have to keep an open mind about this and you have to be willing to hear other people's responses, their, uh, their opinions, their experiences, because that's the only way I feel we're ever going to get closer to de- understanding what we're dealing with. You know, I, I have my own opinions on things, but for every opinion that I have, I can find somebody that has a different opinion. And so, you know, taking it back to Lou and everything, I mean, it really does sound like this is a guy who's been dealing with stuff for a long time. And over time, it got more and more serious. And, you know, I, I do wonder if when he kind of told you, he's like, no, you're not coming with me. You're not coming with me. I wonder if he, at that point in his life, was starting to see other people around him be affected by what they're doing. And he didn't want to bring anybody else into it because he felt, you know, bad about it. I'd like to think, and a part of me does does believe that that was maybe he was trying to to protect me from that stuff, and that that's and I'm and I'm thankful for that. You know, um, it's funny because well, I was telling you earlier about that time when we were in my dining room with that that phone book, like took a nosedive off my filing cabinet. You know, what was interesting about and this is that that's not interesting enough. Uh, like I'd mentioned before, you know, my 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 then wife. Um, she she got a vibe in this guy, and and she she had she got vibes about a lot a lot of people, and a lot of times she was right, you know, and she did not she she humored me, she you know she never gave me a hard time. I work on the show, um, but she got a feeling. But even more than that, the other guy that was there the night at my house when the phone book fell, that guy I mentioned to you, Robert's friend Fitz, who ended up being a pretty good friend of mine. Um, this guy. He also told me. Now this guy was this this guy was I didn't know it because he he was he was the kind of Christian that I wish every person could meet as and have it be their first Christian. I never knew it. Like I just watched this man and the way that he was. He never he didn't preach at me. He didn't he didn't none of those things. He just was a good man who knew his word and was and was generally a good loving person. What blew my mind about this guy is. Um, well, a number of things, but 
I had a Bible in my home at that point in time. Um, I never picked it up. I think I got it as a, as a wedding gift. So it just sat there. Um, King James Version, which I couldn't read. I couldn't really read it anyway. Yeah. That didn't make sense. <laughs> but, but I just can't, you know, even now I'm like, what is all this stuff? But what was fascinating is um, he said to me, this, this, guy, this gentleman, he goes, uh, he, goes, um, he, goes he, he saw it sitting there on my, on my bookshelf. He goes, he's like, you read that thing? I'm like, eh, no. <laughs> well, why not? Why, why is it sitting here? I said, I don't know. I, mean, I, I will. And, uh, but he wasn't, he, you know, wasn't, he was just teasing me. I said, why do you? He goes, he goes, absolutely. I said, I said, how, I said, when? He's like, every day. I said, every day you read this book. He's like, yeah, every day. I said, how long have you been doing that for? He was probably, oh gosh, he was probably in his late 40s at that point, I think he's 50. And he's like, since I was a little boy. And I'm like, really? He goes, he goes, I'll prove it to you. I'm like, all right. He goes, he goes, read that book. Okay. He goes, turn to any page in that book. Like, okay. So I turned to a page and I didn't even know how to find, like, I didn't even know what, like, Mark 14, 23 meant. I didn't even know how to find, you know, I didn't even know how to put those things meant, you know. Um, he goes, turn to a page. Okay. He said, what page are you on? And I, he said, look at the top and see what, the, see what the book of that's called. He said, then he showed me where the verse was and showed me where the, uh, uh, not the, the, the chapter and the verse. Tony, I did this with this man for probably half an hour. He, I, I was turning to random pages. I'm Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the books nobody wants to read because they're just kind of, you know, they are. Numbers, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, you know, that, that stuff. And okay, it wasn't exactly what it said. You know, it wasn't exactly it, but it was close enough to where I'm like, you have this book memorized? Like, weird you know just <laughs> weird that went on for about a half an hour i couldn't even believe it like i said it wasn't exact but it was close enough to where it was like who are you so he he told me he told me because because he was actually staying at my home he came in from out of town he was actually staying at my home for a number of days we went home the next day next morning after the, after the big sleepover you know <laughs> get my then wife didn't want it to have and this guy told me, he goes, you know, you know, just be careful with this guy. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because at, at that point, everything was cool. Everything was fine. Everything was really going too crazy yet. And he's like, ah, he's like, I just got a, I just got a feeling for this. Just, just, just. Be. He's like, you know what? He goes, just get more involved with our group. Get more involved with, with Robert. You got some stuff going on. And I'm like, well, I said, you know, I feel kind of loyal. But he, he also warned me after all this stuff broke down. I remember calling him and telling him that it happened and he wasn't surprised at all to hear it. Um, he's like, you know, that's why I tried to warn you that this, this could be, could be a bad thing for you. You know, he was, he was right. Like, again, I, I don't know if any things that happened in my life afterwards that were, that were kind of negative. Um, I don't want to blame it on that, but, but well, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if that's, if that had, if I had some faults, again, I, I was not a, that's what I would call, you know, saved individual back then. I didn't have any really solid pieces in my life. I certainly didn't pray. I certainly wasn't really worried about it, you know. Um, so, but I, I worry about it now because um, the reason I wanted to do that with you earlier that we did, a uh, couple of reasons, is I wanted to protect the conversation we had, you know, today. So that nothing we talk about can have any kind of lasting effects for either for, for you and your family or, or my, myself and my family because a really weird thing happened after I kind of contacted you, um, I told you I heard that show with the EVP, and that kind of got me thinking. Right. Maybe this would be a, a story people want to hear. 
so a couple of days after um, we kind of corresponded back and forth, I live alone now. You know, I'm, I'm divorced and I live by myself in a small little ranch house, you know. Um, it was a Thursday night. Uh, I had just picked up and dropped off my daughter from dance class, took her home, and probably 9.15 and then all I was looking forward to doing, Tony, I just want to get home, just wanted to eat some dinner, and all I was looking forward to doing was, it was a show I used to watch called Sneaky Pete on Amazon. I wanted to watch the last show. That was my night. Exciting, right? That's my big exciting life, watching Sneaky Pete on Amazon. So I come home. I go to my bedroom. Again, I, this is a very, very small ranch house that I live in. I went to my bedroom. I just made a little sandwich to eat, and I hadn't turned the TV on yet. My finger was in the process of hitting the on button. And I hear crystal clear, crystal, crystal clear. I hear a voice. I hear a voice. I'm not going to say what it said. But I don't really want to. So I'm sitting in the room what happened right now. But I know I heard it. There is not a doubt in my mind. From where my room is, it's not like it came from uh, like my kitchen living area, like around the corner. Like I, I heard it. My, to the point where I thought, oh my gosh, someone's in my house. You know, I thought somebody broke in here. I, I, I walked in here and caught them, you know, and they're here. I'm, I'm shaking like a leaf. Cause I, that was what I was convinced that happened, you know. Um, then I hear it again. I'm like, okay. Now I know I'm not hearing things. But I think someone's in my, I close my bedroom door. I lock it. Um, I, cr- I turn the TV on. I crank it up. Um, and I call 911. I didn't want who I thought was in the house to hear me calling 911. I didn't want them to hear me. Um, I do have, I'm, I am a gun owner. I have guns in my home. Um, I have a, I had a, a handgun in my, in my uh, um, nightstand next to my bed. I get it out of there. I put the, I, I, I put the magazine in and I call the cops. And I told them my home, you know, tell them the whole story. Uh, told them I had a gun. Kudos to the cops. They were here. Oh my gosh. Three minutes. They were here. I couldn't believe how fast they got here. And they just told, you know, put the gun down, go to the door, let the officer in, you know, show him your hands so he knows everything's cool. I'm scared to walk out of my bedroom to the front door so I have to walk past where I heard that coming from, you know. I do that. Cop comes in. He comes in the house. At that point in time, I thought the person could have possibly gotten down my basement because the, the kitchen leads to the basement. They could have gone down to the basement. And there's a door down there that goes to the outside. I'm thinking, I forget to lock that door. It's between here and that. Yeah, they got in here. He goes down. Um, he's checking things out. Nothing. By then, two more cops show up. They check my entire house. This thing is very, very small here. They're looking, they're looking under beds, behind the shower curtain. They're, they scour this place. Nothing. They leave. I'm horrified. Again, I don't know if that was because I contacted you, and I have no idea. But it was just very, very odd that that would happen, you know, because so many other strange things happened. So did the, did the thought of me even going back to that place and, and dealing with this topic again? Because I haven't talked about it in a really, really long time with, with anybody, you know. Um, did that, I don't know, wake something? I mean, I hate to use those words. It sounds all like, you know, movie, movie drama type stuff, but. I don't know. I have no explanation for that, but I, I know what I heard. Um, there's not a doubt in my mind that I heard it. It's not apparent that once, much less twice. It wasn't threatening. It wasn't a threatening thing, but it, it was there, you know? 
And what was freaky about it was, I'm just going to say this. <sighs> it's not like him. That's all I'm going to say. <clears throat> really? Yeah, man, it did. It really did. <clears throat> and I, I got to tell you, I had a hard time. Um, uh, that was, well, when I first contacted you from months ago, this was maybe like the late, late, uh, maybe late winter, early spring, you know. Um, I had a hard time coming home uh, here for a long time. Um, like I told you, I, I, I lived by myself. And, uh, you know, um, you know, home is like your, it's like your, it's your sanctuary, you know, when things you have a bad day at work or things aren't going so good, you can always go home and uh, things just kind of feel better. It didn't. Like, I used to dread going home. Uh, I did for a couple of weeks. Um, I'd stay at work later than usual. Uh, I, that, I don't, that's gone now. I, mean, I don't do it anymore. But um, it, was, it was really weird. It was just really weird. I don't know. I mean, it could be a coincidence, you know, uh, that's, I know you're hesitant to say anything, uh, you know, but it's definitely weird and you've dealt with this kind of stuff before. And so you kind of, you kind of know what you're listening for, you know? (laughs) So, uh, you know, I I wouldn't say, I, I, I hope you don't feel like you were hearing things, you know? Uh, I mean, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. No. What was, so, but the reason why I say what I just said is because, um, he had a uh, he had a, an accent, you know. You know, you know what a Philadelphia accent sounds like. Oh yeah, that, that it's not a you know you're you're kind of down that way. You know what it sounds like. Um, that's what it sounded like. That that's that that's 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 I heard that that accent. Like there's certain words that that really that you really hear that accent in. Um, uh, and those one of those words was used. Um, and, um, oh God, I'm, I, I shouldn't be saying this right now, no, it's... but anyway, um, that's, that's why, that's why it was so disturbing because, because of, well, bad enough hearing something, then hearing, hearing something that reminds you of something else. No, I don't think I was hearing things. I know I was hearing things. No, that's, that's not even, cause it's kind of echoey in here a little bit. I'm not sure you hear it on the phone, but I don't have a lot of stuff in here. So it's kind of an open floor plan. So it's kind of echoey. It was echoey. Like the the voice was like it kind of had that echoey sound to it. Was it loud or was it like a whisper in your ear? No, it was it was from my living from my from my bedroom. Looking at right now, too, where that would have been is maybe gosh, twenty feet, maybe. Um, I heard it coming from there. Like I didn't hear it in the room with me. I heard it coming from where it would have sounded echoey, which is kind of where I'm sitting right now. That's why. That's where it came from. That freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it freaked you out enough to take it serious enough to think that you had somebody in the house and you called the police and all that stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I've seen shadows in my apartment when I was uh, in in my our old apartment, and uh, you know, I never called the police. You know, I I I knew what was going on. You know, so I what am I going right. to do? Call the police and have them arrest a ghost? You know, so <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they thought I was. I think they. I don't want to say they thought I was crazy, but they, they, I mean, they were very nice. They were very polite, did a great job. Um, you know, they were very much, Hey, don't, you know, call us. Don't hesitate to ever call us again. Um, but I'm just thinking, thinking these guys probably think I'm out of my mind. I'm hearing stuff 
I got my gun out, you know, I'm out of my mind here in this house, you know, but, uh, it, 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 it's just, it was just strange. That's all. It was very, very, very strange. And, and the, the timing was kind of weird of it too. Like, that's like, I think that's what got me a little bit more unnerved. Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you what, Joe. I mean, you've definitely had an, a, fasc- a fascinating life when it came to this kind of stuff. And uh, Lou's story kind of integrates into your story. And it's like, uh, even if you wanted to get away from it, you couldn't because his story is part of your story. And uh, it, it's been very fascinating hearing about it and stuff, man. Uh, you know, before we get out of here with this episode uh when it comes to these kinds of things and all the stuff that you dealt with uh do you ever have a moment where you feel like uh you were dealing with more demonic things over spiritual or do you think it was more spirits than demonic or do you do you not you know discern between the two there were there were times i felt fear i remember feeling fear there were times when i was working still involved um, and I go to bed and I would just feel afraid, you know, and I, and I don't know, and I, I didn't really know why. I mean, okay, I just did a two and a half hour show, you know, with, uh, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock in the morning, that maybe there was a heavy topic that dealt with something really scary, like a, a person's house that was possessed or whatever. And, and, um, so that, I'm sure that's very much part of it. To me, I, I'm kind of like, I kind of ride that line where I've heard you talk before, where like, you know, I, I once thought that, well, okay, not once, okay, I used to believe in ghosts, okay? Then when I kind of got, when I kind of became, when I became a Christian, I kind of stopped believing in ghosts because um, I just thought that, you know, once we die, that that's it. That, that, you know, you, you, the word says that, you know, one of two things happen. You don't, you don't hang around, you know? Um, so that's thought, okay, anyone who's seeing ghosts now, they're being deceived. They're seeing something more, you know, we'll say, we'll use the word demonic and they're being, they're being tricked. But more recently I'm thinking, well, maybe not. Cause I, I cause I heard you heard you say, you know, why are things in the word if they don't need to be, you know, why are you talking about, you know, don't, don't mess with divination if it ain't real. Why did Jesus say, do you think I was a ghost? Why would he say that? You know, unless those ghosts, you know? So I think, that I may have been doing something with more on the heavy side because I don't, I could be wrong. I have no idea, but I don't think that a ghost ghost, you know, if it, if it, if it exists, um, is something to be afraid of. I don't think so. I could be wrong. Of course, it's, it's going to startle you because it's, it's something very, very bizarre, but I don't think that the intention is often, uh, of, of a evil nature. Um, whereas other things, you know, would be so, I think it was more of that only because, like I said, I felt, I felt afraid a lot. And there was times before I decided to leave that I, I thought about it a few other times because there was times where I did feel afraid. Where I thought, wow. You know, because a few of the guests on there, they had some horrific stories, man. I mean, horrific. I had a guy call me one time who wanted to be on the show. Um, he wasn't like some, any kind of a, a big name guy. He wasn't pushing a book. He wasn't pushing anything. I didn't want to get the show. He said he had this, this inclination for um, remote viewing, you know, and, and psychic impressions. And I'm, you know, we're talking on the phone. He's like, I could do it right now. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I could do it right now. He said, I could, I, could, I could remote view to you right now. I said, oh, yeah? And I, I'm not believing in what he's saying. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't put it that way. I, I just was, again, skeptical. Now, this is before Google. This is before the internet is what it is today. This is early 2000, 
you know, where you still had kind of a private life, you know, things weren't all out there to be seen um, on the internet somewhere, to, you know, we found. This guy starts describing my living room to me. Tony, to the point where he's telling me where I'm sitting and what color the chair is. I was sitting in a blue recliner and he said it. And I, my job, I mean, I don't even, I, I, I probably turned every color of purple. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was hearing and to the point to where I, I told, I, I didn't want him on the show because he freaked me out. You know, he freaked this guy. I don't know what this guy was doing on how he did it, but he described my living room and where I was sitting. Um, I don't think there's anything good about that, man. I don't, I don't think that's supposed to be okay. You know? Yeah, no, I <laughs> that would uh, <laughs> that would frustrate me because I would feel like my privacy has been invaded, and then I'm angry. So <laughs> I <laughs> I would I would be very frustrated with that situation. Um, but yeah, man, that's it's just it's a crazy world we live in, man. It really is. It's a crazy world, and you know we deal with some supernatural, uh, paranormally type things, and you know I'm just. I'm just on a mission to record as many of these people as possible with these kind of experiences to, you know, hopefully people that are smarter than me come across the show and uh, start putting things together from witness testimony. I think that's uh, kind of my goal in all of this because I enjoy talking with people. I enjoy hearing the stories. Uh, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. So I'll let the listeners who are smarter than me uh, put the pieces <laughs> together and stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll throw pieces out there when I think of stuff, but you know, I, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the one that's going to put this puzzle together, but I definitely uh, enjoy, you know, sharing the people's stories and like that, like yours today and stuff. So, uh, I definitely appreciate you coming on and talking and sharing all these things, man. It's been fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. You're welcome. My pleasure. And, and, um, you know, it takes a smart guy to, um, to, uh, say what you just said. So I think you're a pretty smart dude, man. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, I'm a realist, man. Like I, I, I know my limitations. <laughs> Yeah, you and me both. You and me uh, both. I learn more and more every day. Yeah, I, I'm I'm good with the microphone and and producing audio. That's about it. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Well, well we all got our talents. But no, you do a great job, man. I love the show. You're fit in and you know, and um, no, it's awesome. And I'm 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 really thankful that you that you um indulged in my conversation. It was nice to actually kind of talk about it again a little bit because I haven't talked about these things for a long time. So, um, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Right on, man. Well, you take care and, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me anytime you want. Okay, I will. Thank you so much. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, there are three things you can do to help support the show. One, go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Two, go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals. That's patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and sign up to become a patron to help support the show. And three, you can go ahead and share the link to the show that you're listening to right now around social media. That will help expose the show to an audience that didn't know about the show beforehand. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Bye. You could think that I'm a freak. 
when I'm talking to myself But it's like I was too weak to be someone else Good thing that I'm a creep when I'm singing all alone But it's like I couldn't see straight on Like I couldn't see straight on my own. Hey. 